here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love him. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Cranch alongside yet again, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, two weeks in a row, you and I. How is this? How's this feel? It's weird. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what have we done this? Uh, twice this is like WrestleMania. Oh, no, pre WrestleMania, right? Well, yeah, you were on your little jaunt to Italy, so mm-hmm. I think maybe we've done, what, three shows in two months or something? <laughs> something like that. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's not far off. I don't know if it's three shows in two months. It might be like four shows in two months or something, but it's not, it's not far off. Right. I it's think. been pre-WrestleMania since like we've had like a consistent like two weeks in a row you and I talked because like you were out the WrestleMania week and then the week after you were out and then I was in Italy and then, and then so it's been it's an absolute utter mess but uh, we got two weeks in a row here and we got plenty to talk about so uh, it's all okay uh, in the land of voice of wrestling. I mean, what are people paying for with this? I mean, geez, we, you know. I will play. say that um, <laughs> um, when one of us is gone, uh, we probably lose what? About 30% of the listens um, pretty consistently but uh, last week they pretty much all came back. Did you see the numbers? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't understand. It, it's I guess there's just this. I don't know if they read the description. If like because I always sort of assume with a lot of our podcast numbers, even though I know this isn't true because I look at the at the numbers as they come in. But I would assume because this is the way that I sort of approach podcasts is I subscribe to them and and they just download anyway. And more times than not, I if I like the podcast, I listen regardless. Maybe if in in few in like a minute or so, I'm like ah, you know, this guy's not on here. Uh, this topic kind of sucks or whatever. But more times than not, I'll, I'll give it a try or whatever but yeah we have like a 30 percent drop off where if i i should just not say we, we should just never say that we, neither of us are there i always tell you to do that I'm i know like, i don't know why i don't just, do that just yeah. don't don't say in the description <laughs> right. that one of us is gone and then because then even if they listen for 30 seconds and we'll always they, get them yeah we'll get them because they they see like you know uh rich Krejci is joined by a bevy of like voice right like ah screw this i'm out like joe lens is and like yeah we have like good guests too we got joe gagney he's well he got a big draw he got mike Supper. but like the people are they they like their rich and joe i don't know i don't know why but they, they do. yeah so we really should just lie to them Every week. Yeah, we should really lie and deceive our, on there our, our it, loyal it, listeners some more. That would be great. That's right. Because even if they only listen for you know 15 seconds, it counts. It counts, baby. Mm-hmm. All Blue Apron knows is that somebody listened. It doesn't matter how long they listen for. All they get is the the raw total number of listens. So I think our honesty is working against us. As it often does. There's clearly people who say, fuck this. I am not listening to Joe Lanza by himself for two hours because he's an annoying twat. 
and there's clearly people who say, fuck Rich Creech, he sucks, I'm not listening to him, and some jabroni from the site, because Joe Lanza's not there. That always happens, always, without question. But last week, it all bounced back, So and it always does that. So yeah, the clear trend is they want us on the same show together. <laughs> Which we would like to be on to the same show. Just You're say right. that we're always doing it. Right, because we're not always going to be doing it because our lives are still a mess. But, yeah, we should just lie to people instead. Or if you're being uh, Gagney on, just say Rich and Joe return. They don't know the difference. Yeah, Yeah, and Joe's been on there enough now where he's got enough cachet where I could just say Rich and Joe. And it's like I'm not being deceitful. You know, I'm not being intentionally. It is literally Rich and Joe. I mean, it happens to be a Joe Gagney and not Joe Lanza, but it's a Joe. And you're familiar with this Joe. You know this Joe. So uh, that's a pretty good idea. So I think tremendous reviews as well. He did, people yes. Enjoy they like the him Joe. much more than they like you. <laughs> people don't like you, but people like Joe. But people, a lot of well, people do you, like you, um, though, but we get the vocal, the people that don't like Joe Lanza, make sure they get very well known that people do not like, like you. Yeah. Oh, that's right. But, uh, but, but again, someone must like both of us because the numbers always bounce back. So, you know, uh, you know there's many people who very vocally uh, dislike me, but uh, I think there's uh, more people <laughs> that enjoy my brand of banter. Um, but uh, definitely not Roman Reigns fans. I mean, I, I took a beating today for, by saying nothing yeah, bad can about you just that. never? Can you just never, ever tweet about Roman Reigns ever again? Because it just I makes our, our notifications are just awful. I mean, you, you can't even – just don't even mention his name. Don't use the words. Don't say Roman. Don't say Reigns. Don't talk about Roman culture. Don't talk about Roman Italy. Don't talk about any – just Luther Reigns is off limits too. Just don't mention any of those two things. Ever, please. Luther Reigns. You cannot talk about Luther Reigns either, because then maybe people will think you're talking about Roman Reigns, and then I have to deal with like our dumpster fire of notifications every single so, time. So what am I supposed to just not talk about Horseshoe when he comes up? That's Luther Reigns, right? Or no? Is that different? I guy? have no idea. Yeah, I've done who, who was Horseshoe from WCW? <laughs> horseshoe? Did, from yeah, w- you remember Horseshoe? I don't remember Horseshoe. Yeah, you do. He was part of the... Uh, the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You do. You remember Horseshoe. He was part of uh, the New Blood, right? And he... Uh, yeah, of course, she was Luther Reigns. That's what I thought. Same okay, guy. All right. Yeah. Was he part of the New Blood? I'm looking at this. It says he was there in 1997. You're talking about like the New Blood Millionaires Club thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that Horseshoe part? No, of no. That's he's he's like he might have been in WWE by then, right? Yeah, he's 1997 Horseshoe. Um, yeah, no, he he's long gone. I mean, 2003, he's in WWE. Um, yeah, I guess he was just a power plant dude. Showed up on Saturday night sometimes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was like a main event Saturday night guy, and then he. Uh, and he was Luther Reigns. He had a longer run he in was, WWE oh, than I thought. Yeah, so he was among six wrestlers who auditioned for an anti-New World Order faction called Piper's Family on the March 3rd, 1997 episode of Monday Nitro. There you go. Oh, he's one of those geeks that Piper beat up? I guess. I don't, I don't remember a thing about it. No, that was that was a notoriously bad all-time wrestling Oh, segment. my God, I do remember that. Yes, yeah, because then, like, to show the, the, their honor, they had to fight him, and then he just, like, beat them all in, like, 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, and they were all, like, the pastiest, worst-looking jobbers you could ever, you know come up with but uh i didn't know luther reigns slash horseshoe was one of those men i was not aware of that neither so there you go that's but you can't talk about him either and us even even mentioning horseshoe so you can't talk about horseshoe you can't talk about luther reigns you can't talk about roman anything like it's just it, it's always a dumpster Rich, fire it's always bad it's i like didn't Chikara. say anything bad about you roman can't reigns say then. anything about it you we're at a point now where you just cannot say anything about Roman. all reigns. i said is he looks strong in the match and they still got <laughs> mad at me if you said roman reigns had the greatest match of the night people would say well why wasn't it the greatest match ever like you hate why do you hate roman reigns so much like just okay. don't 
I was talking about what what event was that? Uh, well, you said it was Backlash, but it was Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules. Look, look one. If, 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 if. I was talking about Extreme Rules, the five way, and all I said was the man was book strong in the match with your freezing cold takes of like a pay per view that happened a month ago. Cold. But nobody cares. Uh, well, apparently, people Frigid. do care a lot. People care okay. a lot, Rich. That's the thing. All I said was the guy was book strong in the match, and they 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 got mad at me. No, he wasn't. He wasn't book strong at all. <laughs> yeah, you know that's incredible. You know, and I was basically praising Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe, I, I finally watched a match, and he basically got a, a cheap win. You know, Finn Balor hit the the double foot stomp deal, whatever the how, the French gimmick, however he pronounces it, the, the coup de gras, right? <laughs> So, hey, perfect. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, nailed it. So he hits the French gimmick <laughs> off the top rope, and he's about to score the pin, and Joe slips in under the bottom rope and locks him in the coquina clutch. It's a cheap win, right? But So I was just surprised after finally seeing the match how hot the Samoa Joe-Brock Lesnar match is because, Rich, that's a hot match. I mean, that, that's, you know, ratings are up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, if this sure. were the pay-per-view era, okay, this pay-per-view would do tremendous numbers, this, this uh, great balls of fire. Because people are into this Lesnar-Joe match. And the, the only point I was trying to make was, despite the fact that Joe wasn't booked particularly strong in the match, he's still because of the credibility that he has, that aura of credibility that he brings to the table and his great promos and his great character work, he's still, you know, he's still in a very hot program with Brock Lesnar. That's the only point I was making. And I said that you know Roman was booked strong in the match, which he was. Roman beat the shit out of everybody for the first half of the match. I mean, they made sure that Roman looked good. The whole first third of the match was was Roman just destroying everybody. And and Michael Cole screaming about it being Roman's yard. I mean, it's very clear that they're building Roman up for WrestleMania. Why is that a – how was that bad to say? I don't understand. These Roman fans, you can't win with these people. All I said was the guy was booked strong. What's the problem here? But anyway, I do think it's impressive that, you know, because look at the way Joe was booked in the match. I mean, he was paired off. Uh, him and Bray Wyatt formed like that alliance, right? I know everyone wants to hear about Extreme Rules. Six <laughs> yeah, weeks please after. go on. Yeah, please go on. So, so he, he, he pairs up with Bray Wyatt, right? And they're like teaming up to beat everybody up. And then him and Wyatt go at it. And then Joe just gets his ass kicked and disappears. And then Roman Reigns is destroying everybody again, right? They, now, look, they made Finn look good too because Finn – you know, he probably would have pinned Roman, right? We don't know for sure, but he hit his finisher on him. So they protected Finn. They protected Roman. And they gave Joe the win. They made a lot of people look strong in that match. I thought from that perspective, it was a well-booked match. Sure, yeah. But, you know, and Rollins looked good athletically. The only guy that really was like, might as well, like, wasn't there was Bray. But who cares about Bray Wyatt? You know what I mean? Like, who cares? But... So I thought it was a little bit – and all I said was that they made Roman look good, and these, these maniacs, they still come after you, and they come out of the woodwork. You know, they come out of nowhere. Yeah, none of them follow us, but they none all – None of them like, follow us. They, they must have some, like, uh, an Ethan Page-level, like, thing set up where every time that you, that Voices Wrestling mentions – and that's why I said you can't say Roman, you can't say Reigns, you can't say any combination of the two because it just it, – it immediately – you pop up and you put that dash J on there, and you say something about Roman Reigns, and I swear to God – 40 people that don't follow us are immediately in the notifications, like telling us how stupid you are and how your takes are terrible. And imagine calling yourself Voices of Wrestling when you're such a terrible voice and you know nothing about wrestling. So. We get three of those a week now. Those are pretty good. Yeah, those have – and you tweeted that out earlier. That has officially become our – Dave Meltzer would give this five stars if it was in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, the imagine calling yourself Voices of Wrestling, dot, 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 fill in the blanks there because you're, you, you're kind of running out of characters, so there's not much else you can do. 
But a lot right. of people, you know, oh, when you have such horrible takes, or you call yourself the voice of wrestling when you your voices are terrible, you, you know, like stuff like that, which is just fantastic. I, I do. Uh, you know who, get, who? You know who dropped the very first? Imagine calling yourselves voices of wrestling. If dot dot dot. You know who dropped the very first one? You know I don't. Brandon Stroud dropped the very first. Oh, that's a classic. That's he, yes. That's a that's a classic Probably hatred there. I don't think he's circa 2013 or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he, he he dropped the first one. So he he started that uh that meme as they call them, Rich. Mm-hmm. If we were a, a, a t-shirt hawkers and we had a pro wrestling team, that would absolutely be like imagine calling yourself voices of wrestling. Would be like oh, one of those absolutely. really horrible shirts. That's a terrible shirt idea, which means we'd have to do it. Yeah, we do. Like the I'm a Joe Lanza guy, the I'm a Rich Krejci guy. Those would be two minimums. Uh, and then the, uh, you know, imagine calling yourself Voices of Wrestling. Standing and pacing in my den. Yeah, is pacing in the den. Yeah. Um, all of these are ripoffs of like popular logos too. Like, of course. Needlessly like a ripoff of the Coca-Cola logo. Like, yeah, for no, like, like inexplicable <laughs> like logos that have nothing. It would be... Like the I'm Back stand- to the Future logo is pacing <laughs> right. in my den. And I'm like, standing what? and pacing in my den with a Mountain Dew logo for no reason. You know, like, that's <laughs> what it would be. Inexplicable. Un- <laughs> like, Makes no sense. No reason whatsoever, but we got to rip off of a popular logo. It's, it's, there's, Rusting Tees wouldn't exist without it, so it's, uh, it's fantastic. But uh, I guess we shouldn't should bash them too much. I have to come crawl into them one of these days. But uh, Never. I like, we, I like that we stayed away for, for a while. Uh, hey, remember, say- we, remember we tried to sell a t-shirt, but uh, we had to sell like at least 20 of them, and we sold like four. But that yeah, was that like was, in, that was yeah, like that in was 2012, right? Yeah. Yeah, the and problem you know, that was I just like suck at designing t shirts. So, I no, mean, that, was, that was it. That was look, it was a solid, simple design. I think the problem, Rich, is we had like 100 Twitter followers when you tried that. So yeah. It's yeah, going to be hard to sell shirts. You know what was, you know, we had like 100 listeners too. But um, I think it was, uh, it was pretty pathetic because we tried to sell that shirt like four times, and poor Lance Hoyt attempted to buy that shirt like <laughs> I know. four times. And he never got his shirt because they never, you know, we, we didn't sell the minimum. And he kept thinking he was getting charged for it, right? Because remember, he like contacted us. He's like, hey, man, I've never got, I've bought this shirt four <laughs> times and I still don't have this shirt. And we're like, no, dude, like you don't get charged unless we sell. I, I still think he thinks we hustled him, you know, out of his, right. out of, out of his money for these Voices of Wrestling shirts, which he proudly would have worn into the ring at some dusty Texas indie show, I'm sure. But uh, and hey, maybe New Japan if we got lucky enough, right? But uh, but yeah. So but he kept talking to us like we're still friendly with him. So I guess he doesn't think that we stole his hundred dollars or whatever. But at the time, he definitely did. But uh, yeah. So there's a little tale about our failed T-shirt. Yeah, our failed T-shirt. So maybe maybe we'll we'll jump back in the game one of these days. But uh, no, we don't need anymore. You know you know why we don't need to hawk T-shirts, Rich? Because we have great sponsors. Is that why? We do. Was that your answer? I don't know. Oh, that was your answer. Okay, I wasn't sure. No, was I tried to give you. Well, no, it was good, but it was too good. We're not good I mean, at that, though. You stomped all over me, man. I, 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 I laid it out there for you, and and you just stomped all over me. I mean, let's let's restart. Let's let's. Okay, so blah yeah. blah 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 blah. What were you gonna say, Joe? Rich, you can't recreate the magic. No, we okay? can't. I, yeah. I can't do the setup. We gotta again. do the spot again. We gotta all do. Right. The <laughs> all right, ready? Yeah. You know why we don't have to hawk T-shirts anymore, Rich? Right. Joe, that is because we have great sponsors like Dollar Shave Club. Get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. You no longer have the schlep to the store. 
store to buy a cheap disposable razor that gave you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech that you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of the amazing Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks per month. That's a $15 value for only five bucks. Joe, in your first month box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of that amazing Dr. Carver Shea Butter. As I mentioned, after your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. You cancel anytime you'd like, and you can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Joe, that's once again dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. We thank them once again for sponsoring this show. So, did you get your shave in? But I, I, I forgot to ask. Did you get your shave in last week? I got a wonderful shave in. I was uh, the people that worked were shocked. They didn't know there was a face under that <laughs> right. mass of hair. Um, I still. You, did you know, Rich, that I still have razors remaining from my original cassette sent to me from Dollar Shave Club? Those are tremendous razors. They last a very long time. I'm uh, hoarding my uh, shave butter as well. The, the, like I use like every time I shave, I'll use like a, just a little dollop. Like I probably should use a lot more. But I just, I, I that stuff's so good, and I don't really, I like, I love it. And I'm, I'm just trying to consume every last drop of it as well. Like, it, we're, I'm down to it, it, it. There's not much more left, and I'm like squeezing and it's shaking, and it's just like just get a new one. But you know, I'm you know, this it. is not even part of the ad read. We're we're really good at this. They I got to tell you, because I, you know, the shave butter is a tremendous product. I tell you, did you get the, uh, the you know, the soap? They sent us the soap gimmick too, right? The uh, what do yeah, like a lavender, the lavender soap you're talking about. Whatever. Or the, uh, oh, the, are you talking about the shower gel? Yeah, the shower gel gimmick. Yes, yeah, that stuff is fantastic. So, yeah, you know what I did? I left it in a hotel room. Oh, it's so good. Like three quarters of the bottle, I left it in a hotel room, and I was like, uh, in, in you know, out near San Antonio, and I was about, and I live about three hours from San Antonio. I was, uh, I was about an hour away, and I considered turning back. I, yeah, it's I considered- kind of the point now. <laughs> I only use it for like special occasions too. And Michelle gets like so mad at me, the nurse. She's she's like, Well, are you ever gonna use that? And I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, it's it's not a special case. I use it for like weddings, I use it for like a big date night or whatever, but I'm not gonna use that thing every other day. Like, you know, I gotta it's, it's, I gotta it's tell you, Rich, yeah. I was the same. I only busted out that that soap, it smelled tremendous. I used I'm not it wasting it on like going to work and sitting at a desk. Are you kidding me? No, there's no way. If I'm going out and about, we're wearing that stuff, but you know, Tinder hey, matches no, only, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> stuff, yeah. So those are friends of Dollar Shake with DollarShake.com slash voices, of course, to do that. All right, Joe, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, are you done with your freezing cold extreme rules takes? Do you have anything on um No, listen, I can talk extreme you missed the WrestleMania show. Do you want to jump in on a little WrestleMania no, we talk? Did WrestleMania show. You know why I know we did one? Because I did it from the same hotel room that I left the soap in. Oh, oh, did you? I didn't. I didn't remember us doing that one. Okay, yeah, we, I, I didn't. I, that uh, was a phoner. You don't remember? You called me on the phone, and uh, oh, that we was hideous. Yeah, that was awful. We it did. We did a three-hour WrestleMania review. That's right. Uh, plenty of Roman slander on that one because that match was the fucking <laughs> shit. But um, and that's that's the same hotel room I left my fucking. Oh smoke. damn! Did I you call them? Because sometimes hotel rooms are pretty good about that. Like if you no, leave your shoes you. or something, they'll call. You can call and and they'll hold it off to the side for you or whatever. Did you? I considered turning around, but I figured, you know what? It's a fucking bottle of, of fucking shower gel. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it, you know. I don't know but you know what? I always leave in hotel rooms without fail, every single fucking time. Definitely your phone charger, right? Phone chargers. I have probably yeah. donated 
no less than a dozen phone chargers to uh, to hotel cleaning staff over the years. Every fucking time I leave my phone charger in hotel room, I'm also big on leaving uh, shirts in hotel rooms because I put them on the in the closet gimmick on the hanger. Oh, you can't do that. Yeah, never do that. Never do the hanger. Never do That's it. Right. It's yeah. I've left so many shirts, like like good shirts too, and I'm like ah fuck, you know, like I already flew home, and I'm like I'm never getting the shirt again, you know. It's it's shirts, it's phone chargers, and it's shower gel. Those are the things I leave in hotel rooms. Like some people do the drawers, like where they'll put clothes in the drawers, and that do never ever do that. Like the the, the closet, you could almost do because you're probably going to check the closet before. You are not going to check the drawers before you leave. Like, you know, I just now what I do, I just open up my bag, leave it on a chair, clean clothes, clean clothes is in the bag, dirty clothes is on the floor in front of the bag, and then you can't miss anything because it's all right. Then you shove it all in the bag before you leave. Exactly. And that stupid chair, you're never sitting in that stupid chair. You know the no one, one that's ever in the corner. In the like, chair. <laughs> like, corner stupid chair under like the lonely lamp that you don't yeah, use either. Yeah, my dad loves it. I don't know why. My dad like just immediately will go to a hotel room and he just sits in that stupid chair. Like immediately within two seconds. And Let me tell like, you something. I don't understand why he does that. And he loves the stupid chair. It's, the, I only, got... the only thing that ever happens in that chair is dirty sex. Nothing else happens in that. No one is sitting in that chair that chair is for sex read. you don't read in that chair joe you don't uh, open no. up a, a fine book let me tell you something if i'm in a hotel a room <laughs> there's a fucking king-size bed in a hotel room why am i sitting on that chair the only time i'm, I'm using you. that yeah. chair is if i'm fucking somebody i'm not sitting in that chair you know no one sits in that chair it's a fucking chair you don't want to take the black light to that chair is all i'm saying Things have happened in that chair. I could see, yeah, and how much cleaning gets done on that chair as well. No cleaning gets like, done on that chair. There's no way they clean that chair. Because they just how say, no, it's, it's like fabric, too. Like, you can you can bleach the sheets and do all that, but what are you doing with that chair? There's nothing happening with that thing. Do you know what kind of bodily fluids are on that chair? I, I can only imagine, yeah. Because it's, forget, like, the sex fluids. Just, like, you're sitting on the chair having sex, because you got to be sitting in that chair to have sex, right? Or I guess you could do, like, a doggy-style deal. But if you're sitting in that chair to have sex... You're getting like you like your ass grease and stuff on the chair. That chair is just disgusting. Okay, there's just no no way around it. That chair is right up there with a belt buckle on on the on the list of dirty things that you don't think are dirty, but they're very dirty. Absolutely, we should do a whole the lonely hotel corner chair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, listen, it's, it's we're only doing two hours here, so we had to cram we had to cram the hour three talk <laughs> into the beginning of the show. <laughs> Moving up and to hour one, yeah. Immediately, if you've never as- listened all the way through. This is right. the shit that happens at the end of the show. Okay, uh, I like so- the proximity to uh, our sponsors as well. That we did that as well. That's always uh, smart ideas too. As, as close to when you announce this, talk about sponsors, you, you talk about you know having sex on a chair. If so- we haven't run them off by now, we're never <laughs> running them off. So does it really matter? I mean, honestly. And do you ever see like um, you know you know how Audio Boom sends us like the emails with all of the other podcasts attached when they have something concerning a sponsor. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and did you ever read like, you know, it'll be like, like Doug Stanhope will be like CC <laughs> right. onto the email. Those shows are, you think I'm bad. Those shows are a million times worse than what Joe Lanza's talking. Joe Lanza talking about fucking on the hotel chair. Can't even touch what a Doug Stanhope's talking about on his show. So if Dollar Shave Club and Blue Apron are okay with Doug Stanhope, it's okay, Rich. They're okay with a little, you know, hotel room fucking right. talk. I, At I, least we talk about their brand on like the big guy 22 who doesn't uh, <laughs> Yeah, the big guy twenty two stern warnings. He gets stern warnings all the time. All the time. It was the best one. Yeah, there was one that email that I knew was like just directly to him. Like, uh, make sure to like look at your doc to see who you haven't sponsored this week. So just. Yeah, I mean, you know, big guy twenty two, Ryan thirty three is not doing a good job with the ad reads. I mean, there's just you know, and we see him getting chastised, so we notice for a fact. So he he he's a mess. I'm surprised that uh that that uh. 
uh, you know, old Pat Buck's not keeping him in line. They still do that show together, right? I believe so. Yeah, Agent uh, Pat Buck is super agent to the Indies. Pat Buck, yeah, the super agent who's anti super agent. <laughs> Remember his diatribe? He hated agents until he did, became one. Yeah. He said, "I'm not booking anybody who uses an agent." And then now he's Ryback's agent. Hmm. I don't know. I gotta have that one explained. <laughs> I, I, you know, so it's kind of contradictory, isn't it? If it was 2014, he might explain it for you, but I don't think Pat Buck cares anymore. I don't know. Does he? I wonder if he still cares. He, he used to care. I, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could. I mean, we'll find out. I guess we'll find out shortly. Because I, I could ask around. I mean, it wouldn't be too hard to find out. I, I'm sure he doesn't think about us a single second, though. I mean, let's be honest. But um, I don't know. Um, I've, I, listen, I know a couple people who are going to see Pat Buck this very weekend, Rich. I could find that information out for you if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I care that much. I'm just kind of curious if, if Pat Buck. I just like to know that Pat Buck's still listening. You see, this is the second time on this show that you've stomped all over me. So it's been a rough <laughs> week for me in that regard, but I'm, I'm getting used to it. But uh, I you know, it's not like that. It's not like so that. No more. So we, are we really doing some extreme rules takes? Or are we going to move on to the. We're a, not doing extreme an, rules. An equally no. shitty show, Money in the Bank. Oh, I was going to talk about the G1 because that's not shitty. But uh, do you want to talk Money in the Bank first? Let's do the Money in the Bank. I think. All right, uh, let's. I think that's the big story, Rich, and the uh, James Ellsworth controversy. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, do you want to start out right with that? Of course. So there's uh, the the opener of, of Money in the Bank, and I don't know if we're well, going to do. Well, Money in the Bank fucking percent. sucked. Are we just? It was a horrible show. Yeah, really, it was really terrible. Bad. Right? I mean, I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I, I hated it. Yeah, I thought, uh, thought Extreme Rules was bad, and then Money in the Bank really like Extreme Rules had had some charm to it here and there. Money in the Bank was that main event was I enjoyed. Uh, the women's money in the bank, I kind, I, I thought was okay, and the rest of it, I could completely forget. And and I'm gonna forget those two matches too, as as you know, in in days as well. So yeah, it it, uh, it was terrible. It was not a good way to spend three hours. I'll tell you. That. Was it just me, or was Extreme Rules not very extreme? Uh, no, it was not at all. I I, I think it should have just uh, been called. You know what? It should have just rules. been called Rules. Well, that's what we talked about. Joe Gagne and I talked about like. God damn it. Well, you should listen to the damn show when you're not on it. I mean, come on, you gotta. We called it, you know, WWE like lot, like extreme amount of rules or something like that. Where it's just like because you had like the again here here we go with the freezing cold uh, extreme rule stakes. But you know, you had the submission where where Aries has a submission on Neville. No, you got to be do it in the ring. Like, all right, well, okay, I'll do it in the ring. <laughs> like, oh, extreme. And then like the opener of obviously the Miz and and and, uh, and uh, Dean Ambrose where you can't get DQ'd. And, oh, that's extreme. Right there. Like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I saw Dave Meltzer write that he thought Alexa Bliss Bailey was a contender for worst match of the year. And don't get me wrong, that was pretty fucking terrible. Uh, but I think Dean Ambrose Miz is a contender for worst match of the year because they could not have hit you over the head harder with the idea that Dean Ambrose was trying not to get disqualified. That was just 20 minutes of the worst teased to disqualification spots that they could possibly think of. Yeah, they were horrible. They, I mean, they, they were really because one that, of course, that we always remember is uh, and I think you remember this one as well, probably is, is the Randy Orton Christian at Money in the Bank 2011. That was yeah. one where Christian from the beginning is antagonizing Orton, you know, spitting at him, kicking at him, asking him to hit him with a chair, just being a total dickwad. And like Dean Ambrose kind of just wrestled like a normal match, but then occasionally would remember, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Or I was like, it's just was like, what are you guys doing here? Like, just watch that match and like emulate that or do something. But it was like the, the stipulation is horrible because you guys are just doing such a horrible job with it. It was it was just a normal match with some occasional throwing in you know crap it was it was john cone threatening to disqualify ambrose if he threw a closed fist (laughs) or 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 if he irish whipped miz into an exposed turnbuckle you know because once the referee is acting in in such a way that they never act otherwise 
the match has slipped into parody mode. And that's what it was. And it never fucking ended. It was at least 20 minutes long. You can't convince me it wasn't. If that match was a second under 20 minutes, I will quit this show forever. You know, oh, that was, ooh, oh, here we go. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> My third are, are open. This people is are good. crossing their fingers right now. But that, that was – God, it just never ended. And it was just a series of T's DQs. It was so bad. So, so, okay, sorry, Joe. What was your bet? 20 minutes. Okay, so what, what, what did you say? What, did, what was the exact thing that you said? I'll I don't quit know the show it. forever. If it was what? A second under 20 minutes. It was exactly 20 minutes. Joe Lanza stays. Are you serious? I'm, I'm dead serious. 20 minutes. I'm Wait, 20.00? Yep, that's per Wikipedia, 20.00. Listen, listen, don't fuck with Joe Lanza and his internal clock. Man, okay? I was really hoping I would have three extra hours to use every week, though. But it's all right. Hey, yeah, what's up? How are you? Terrible show, terrible match, and <laughs> Money in the Bank was probably worse. And, and yeah. let me tell you, we've been getting a lot of shit for being negative on this company. But you know what? I, that's fucking bullshit. I want to defend myself. And I know I'm using a lot of spicy language this week, Rich. Especially you're you're fired up. And you told me you were fired up before. So I am fired up. I know I'm in a bad mood, and I'm not to be fucked with this week. Okay? I got some shit going on and in my life, and I am annoyed. So I'm taking it out on the listeners. Okay? So... This uh, this this idea, all right, that we're just so super negative on this company. Rich, did we not come on this show probably for a year straight and praise the fuck out of every pay per view that this company did, and yeah. say how great the wrestling was, and say, listen, no matter how bad the week to week television is, we know that Raw is three and a half hours and it's hard to sit through. These pay per views deliver. They got a great roster. These matches are always great. Uh, Roman delivers in the big match. Uh, Kevin Owens delivers. Uh, you know this company has AJ. Great AJ's awesome. Deepest AJ's roster a- they've ever had. Most talented roster they've ever had. Did we not praise these pay per views for at least a year straight? Absolutely. No, we we one hundred percent did. I mean, almost. So from how the come network, no one remembers that? The network then, era. Almost from the network era on, we've been praising absolutely. the pay per views. Yeah, the pay per views have been good. So they have a couple bad ones. And we're a little down on it. And we're not the only ones. Do you think these sh- we're the only ones giving these shows shitty reviews? I think the Money in the Bank show, I was looking before, uh, doing a little prep here. I think the cage match rating for that, and, you know, that's that's crowdsourced and whatnot, and uh, was like 4.5 or something. You know how hard it is to get a 4.5 score on cage match for, for, an, for a show? I mean, it's terrible. Nobody liked this Money in the Bank show. I didn't read any great reviews for this thing. So I don't know why people are getting on our shit for being negative. These aren't good shows. There's not good shows. Yeah, if you go farther back, I remember uh, 2013, remember that year, we were saying even the Raws were good. And we're like, this is never going to happen ever again. Like, the Raws are good. The pay-per-views are good. Everything is good right now in this Didn't company. Didn't we call yeah. 2014 the best entering year the company ever had? I think it was 13. I think we called it 2013. Was it 13 or 14? I'm pretty sure it was 13. Yeah, I'm almost The year with all the six-man matches. What year was that with the Shield? I, 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 I thought that was 13. I thought that was 13. I could be wrong, but I thought it was 13. Might have been 14. But. One of those. But, I mean, I mean, you know, this idea that we're just constantly banging on this company. and I mean, look. You know, I know people want enthusiasm out of us, but you got to give me something to be enthusiastic about. I'm not going to sit here and feign enthusiasm. No, we're going to be honest for, with you. Yeah, I mean, that's for what we've Mahal done. matches that are terrible, I can't do it. Oh, now can't do done. it. Won't do it. Now you've done it. No, but yeah, yeah that's uh, well, well, we've we'll never been. There. I mean, we're not going to fake it. We're not going to. I mean, we're going to tell you what we think, and I'm going to be honest about what I think. If I didn't like it, I didn't like it. Sorry, I'm not going to. You know, because there's pressure to. I, I, no, if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. And if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. So that's. Listen, we got to do this WWE. How can you do a catch-all wrestling show and not talk WWE? How can you do it? I mean, you can if, like, you're Aubrey Sitterson and then you're doing 300 listens a week. I mean, you could do that if you want. But, but I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, 
It's but you know you get you got to listen. It's the biggest company in the world. We can't it'd be irresponsible. Come on, and not talk about them just because we didn't like Money in the Bank. We got to review the show. And it What's, fucking sucked. I'm not going to tell you yeah, it was good. That, it sucked. <laughs> it was not great. Let's uh let's kick it off with the opener because that's uh not the pre-show. Who gives a shit about the pre-show match? I think uh, Aubrey's going to be doing negative listens soon. I think a negative <laughs> amount of people are going to be listening to his show soon. I mean, I I like seriously, Rich. I can fart into a microphone for three hours and do more downloads than Aubrey's doing right now. Like, we often do. I mean, that's essentially what pull, the Voices of Wrestling podcast is. So pull up his YouTube page. He's doing like 300 views yeah, per show. Well. How the money has fallen, Nobody so. cares what that man has to say or his shitty guess. No one cares. It's it's amazing. I told you I'm in a mood, Rich. Clear are, path. Boom, boom. Yeah, you fully loaded. You you got the the gun ready. You're just shooting on everybody, man. This is. No, I'm well, a little scared. I'm wondering when you're because here's a guy oh, who's constantly <laughs> saying that we're beneath <laughs> his level and and uh, you know and all this and I haven't. He still has our name in his mouth and we haven't talked about that guy in years. And and meanwhile, he's got 200 people. Watching his terrible show, talking about CWF Mid Atlantic or whatever the fuck. No one cares, okay? And, and who where does he get off? We're a big time show here. I, I would emba- we would embarrass this guy if I said how many downloads we got last week compared to him. So the hell with him. What do we got here with this money in the bank? <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, I said I didn't care about the pre-show. Uh, I didn't watch it. I'm, I'm sure you did not as well. But uh, so we'll just kick it off with the the first match, which is going to be the one I think we're going to talk the most about here. Uh, it was the money in the bank ladder match, of course, with the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. It was Carmella, Charlotte Flair, Natalia, Tamina, and Becky Lynch. Uh, of course, the match itself not getting a whole lot of the play. I I I, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. I didn't expect. You know them to take like insane risks. I didn't expect like Natalia to to go through a ladder or go through a table or something like that. But I thought it was okay. I didn't think it it, it was quite the train wreck that I thought it was going to be coming in. But I, I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I I thought I saw more people down on it, maybe a little bit more than I was, because I thought it was it was it was serviceable enough for who was in the match, considering you know some of the people, particularly Carmella, Natalia, and Tamina, who are just not good at all. So that uh, I thought I thought it did all right in, in that respect. Um. Everything I heard about the match coming in, I was expecting a complete and total train wreck, and I didn't have a problem with the match at all. I thought the match was fine. They played it um, safe, like maybe safe to a fault at times, but you know, I, did, what did you expect? I, mean, I don't I, even know I, if that's true. I mean, I thought Charlotte did a, a real nice dive off the corner to yeah, the floor. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, I, I, you know, I thought I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was because I watched it a week after the fact, after people had trashed it, but I thought it over delivered. Um, but that just could be my perspective because obviously the live takes that I was watching on my phone were not good. Um, and you know, a, a lot of that might have had to do with the finish too. But I thought the action itself was fine. I, look, I didn't think it was great or anything, but not the train wreck I was expecting. Well, let's get to that finish because that's the part that everybody was talking about in the moment and still really talking about. And it was Carmella winning the Money in the Bank ladder match. But of course, for those who didn't see it, uh, everybody gets knocked down. Uh, Becky Lynch is climbing up, about to get it. Uh, James Ellsworth gets into the ring, kind of knocks over the ladder a little bit with the safest ladder drop I've I've ever seen. He waits for Becky to get down a rung so that she can, you know, carefully hit the top rope and and, and fall to the the mat or whatever. Can I say something about that quickly yeah, yeah. before you go on? I didn't notice that in real time. It wasn't until um, someone tweeted us a, a, a gif of that spot that I noticed 
So I got to be on. Did you notice it in real time? Uh, I only noticed it because they showed the replay. Like maybe not real time, but they showed the replay like seven times. And then I was like, ah, oh, that's that was kind of like interesting because it's when they're doing slow mos, it's pretty noticeable to see Becky, you know, move down a rung or whatever. But that I mean, it wasn't. It's not like it affected the match. I didn't want her to go tumbling out to the mat or whatever. It was it was fine. Like, right? Who cares? Yeah. It, to me, it was it was fine. But you could tell Ellsworth kind of gave her an extra second, which is 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 good because. Um, you know, in those matches, sometimes a little miscommunication can really, uh, uh, can really go uh, <laughs> haywire. So um, then James Ellsworth climbs up the ladder, grabs the briefcase, throws it down to Carmella. The referees convene. James Ellsworth slides outside of the ring, gets the mic, and says, the winner of the money make is Carmella. And everybody goes, okay. And then Carmella's the money to make winner. Because James Ellsworth said it so. Um, <laughs> so. So you had a major problem with all this. Um. Here's my thing on it. I don't know that I had a major problem in the sense that I don't really get myself too wound up with WWE that much anymore. Like to me, and you say this all the time, arm's length. It's like I I can't possibly get worked up that much about what they do because what they do is often stupid and it's not meant to be thought out for more than 20 seconds because the man running it doesn't think it out for more than 20 seconds as well. So why should you think it out for more than 20 seconds? So I've kind of always had that approach to it or I've had that approach lately. This one bothered me in a few senses because – I thought the optics of it, you know, because going into the match, it's this big deal about it being the first ever women's money in the bank. And it's historic. And, and they made sure to do that. They had the video, pa- the, the really odd video package where everybody gets in the ring and then they run like a 20 minute video package, which is like, Jesus, why wouldn't you do that before? But whatever. So they run that video package. They talk about the history of women's wrestling and WWE and the, the women's revolution. And oh, my God, here's our first money in the bank ladder. Here's so it, it was pomp and circumstance. It was very much, you know, this this heavy handed thing about it being the first time that the women are in the money in the bank and da, da, da. so you do all that oh you have a pretty good match by my count i mean I, I was fine with it and then i thought the optics of ellsworth getting the money in the bank handing it to carmella then announcing that she was the winner and then that's the way it ends to me I, it kind of bothered me a little bit because you come in so heavy-handed with it being historic and and being this big deal and then you know it's a man getting the briefcase and giving it to a woman and then the man deciding that she won and then that's it you know, you have people on the other side going, well, you know, James Ellsworth is Carmella's, you know, uh, she does it, he does her bidding and and she controls him and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I get that. And, and, and that's fine. But I just thought the best way to do it, if you really want to do this type of finish is Ellsworth knocks Becky off the, the ladder and then you just have Carmella go up there and get it. I think the optics of Carmella being the one to grab the briefcase, take it down, hug it, even if she had help from James Ellsworth, I think that still looks better than a dude winning the first Money in the Bank ladder match of women you you know what i mean like to me the optics of that just it it bothered me a little bit yeah um i have a hot take on this you ready for my hot take yeah go ahead i don't give a fuck didn't bother me at all it's pro wrestling and i don't know why Pete. look i thought it was stupid don't get me wrong but my whole thing on this is why do people expect this company to treat the women any different than they treat the men in terms of doing dumb shit like this So why am I going to get wound up about it? It's like you just said, arm's length. This is what they do, okay? They made it all overwrought and and piled on the history because they wanted to put heat on Ellsworth and Carmella. That that was the sole purpose of that, and I think that played out over the course of the week on uh, SmackDown. uh, You know when they furthered the storyline and and Daniel Bryan took the case away and all that. So um, to me, it didn't. Um, the, the finish really didn't bother me at all. I, I just saw it as business as usual for a company that does that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. Um, so I don't know. I'm just, I didn't get wound up about it at all. 
I, yeah, I, and, and that's that's because I think you're a little detached, and there are still people that want better and expect yeah. better and do that. And it's yeah, you're not going to get it. So, yeah, and that's I guess that's the kind of cumber. And that's and that's why, like, though I was like in the moment talking about it and tweeting about it a lot, I, I wasn't personally upset. I wasn't personally wound up. I wasn't personally like, right. oh my god, you know, screw this. It's just like I, I was more or less explaining, hey, this is why people probably have an issue with it. I don't yeah. really care because why would I fucking care? Because this company's a, a dumpster fire when it comes to booking and, and treating people with respect and and building stars and creating stars and and really, for and I tweeted that out too. For a, a company that loves talking about how much they create moments, they're so bad at creating moments now. Yeah, they're horrible at it because anytime they have a chance to create a moment, they decide, oh, we got to get heat on somebody. We got to, we got to just screw. I mean, we, we had it with with uh, Bailey not that long ago. Where it's like Bailey's in her hometown, perfect opportunity for it. Ah, screw it, let's just have her lose. You know, Sasha's in her hometown. Ah, screw it, let's have her lose. You know, a, a moment where you know a, a some con- a woman could be at the top of the ladder and and, and it's a huge thing, and she's the first women's money in the bank winner and, and all sort of thing. And, they run away from it and like they want the heat and that's what they want is is kind of the build up but uh, people were talking about this too in the moment and i absolutely agree as well is that we're now in this modern era where you can say all you want about oh they're creating heat they're creating heat they're creating heat most people in the audience are smart enough to know that this shit is 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 being booked and it's you're putting heat on the creative staff when you do something like this when you do a stupid finish like this that they know is just kind of this this dumb thing that you're doing to, 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 to create this moment and to screw over whatever. Like they know that the heat is not on James Ellsworth as much. I don't think like, I don't know that people were really upset to, like in the sense that they want to come the next week and watch him get beat up. Like the old school heat thing. That's the other thing too, that, that, that I'll get to here in a moment. But the idea, I think there's more people that, that just groan and go, Oh God, like what a stupid decision that was. Cause you know, that that's what you were seeing from, from the response from a lot of people afterwards was just, Oh God! What what a stupid thing to do! Not not genuine heat over Carmella and James Ellsworth. Not genuine. Oh, I can't wait to see them get their comeuppance. It was more just like, oh God, come on, WWE, really? That's what you do? Like, oh, I, I agree, but I do think that was the idea. No, I, I know what they're trying to do, but, but it, the only problem too, and, and I mentioned this about the heat thing, is we've we've reached this weird point in wrestling, and I don't know if again this is like the attitude era type thing that we're we're seeing because you always bring that up, you know, where a lot of people like that's all they know. Their frame of reference is the attitude era, but we've now created this thing where where getting heat is doing something that everybody hates. And that's not what heat is. That's not what heel heat is, is doing something that everybody groans and hates. Heel heat is like wanting to see Ellsworth and Carmella get their comeuppance. I don't know that that many people really cared about that when it was all said and done. I don't know if when that match was over, you were going, oh my God, I cannot wait until Becky Lynch gets her hands on Carmella and gets her hands on James Ellsworth and and really makes them pay. Like, I, I don't know that people felt that way afterwards people felt more Ugh, what a stupid thing that they did that's stupid why do they do that part of the problem is ellsworth is a comedy character who's getting beaten up thousands of times so the heat the heat of oh my god james ellsworth might get his ass kicked that's all he's done that's not heel heat yeah yeah i don't know i um I, i saw the whole you know furor surrounding all of it and i just i you know, obviously, I wasn't going to say anything until I saw it, and then I watched it today, and I just—I uh, don't know—it didn't wind me up at all. I just—it I, was just typical WWE to me. I mean, it's the same kind of shit they would pull in a men's match. So I don't see why people think that the women's stuff is going to be immune to that. And I know it's just there's a lot of wishful thinking with people and, and things of that nature, and um, but this is still that this is what this company does. You know, I think I'd be—you know—here's the weird thing: I'd be way more wound up about it if it happened in NXT. And it's the same company. You know what I mean? Because NXT still kind of has that sort of cachet with me where I, I kind of care about what they – because they book it better. And they, right. they, they – you know what I mean? And, and 
it would it would bother me if they did something like that in NXT. It does not bother me at all in the main roster. And, and maybe it's like you're saying because maybe I've just lost that investment. Right. But I, I think well, what's interesting too is that if you did this type of thing in in NXT, I think you would cause a little bit more of that heel heat that we're talking about because it would be more of a genuine oh my god i cannot believe they did that type thing where like you're saying i mean this is part for the course for wwe this is not yeah, anything- you're right because maybe it would deviate so far from the norm that it would come off as something special or something different or something right, like, the, would- like the eva marie thing like that was genuine heat that she was getting from people because they kind of in a sense and nxt kind of understands this and, and wwe understands it too a little bit with the daniel bryan and the cm punk and that sort of thing is that in in today's modern wwe the best way to generate Genuine heat is sort of blur that line a little bit and let people be transparent about creative and, and Triple H being in the leadership role. And, and this sort of because that's where like even Marie, when she was in NXT, that was genuine heat from her because it was like, no, she shouldn't be. She's not a good wrestler. What the hell is it? But it was like this idea that all oh, WWE just wants her to be you know good or wants her to do this or whatever. And that's how do they sort of generate it. Roman Reigns. I mean, again, we're, we're mentioning it. The reason that guy gets genuine heat is because of this idea that, you know, he is is the hand chosen guy or whatever. And they've always done a, a, a good job. I think of sort of towing that line. I would go all the way with it and have him just you know be the 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 real corporate guy and, and make it very upfront and, and and known or whatever. But that's where they've always been able to generate heat in the last few years. But this idea that like you just do something shitty and that's that's heat. I don't know if that necessarily flies with me. But I'll tell you what's not going to get heat. I'm trying to catch up on some NXT here because I got some free time for once, and uh, I'm watching Wesley Blake. Basically, do a. Have you seen the new Wesley Blake gimmick, Rich? You know, I have not seen the new uh, Wesley Blake. So. He's, he's basically doing late '90s Mike Enos uh, with like a uh, terrible vest and cowboy boots and uh, a Texas flag on his tights. And uh, this is not going to get the good heat, Rich. I don't think Wesley Blake's going anywhere with this uh, '80s cowboy gimmick. I don't think it's going to work. But uh, I, I liked Mike Enos in like late, you know, late Nitro, like 1998. Mike Enos, and that's what Wesley Blake is doing. That's oh, the Mike Enos he's doing. You, you enjoyed that Mike Enos. That was fine. I mean, you were like chaps, I believe, right? Like, <laughs> he did. Yeah, they weren't assless. He had a, he had he had tights on underneath. But yeah, he wore with chaps. The bad and, vest and everything. Yeah, he had like just a little bit of wrist tape, and then he would just kind of go in there and and you know hit a few clotheslines and then lose. But that's fine. You know, I gotta tell you, I enjoyed Destruction Crew, Mike Enos. I enjoyed. Uh, uh, I enjoy, I enjoyed Blake Beverly, Mikey. Yeah, I was gonna say you're a Beverly Brothers guy. So. Uh, yeah, they were they were, you know that that was an underrated era of WWF tag teams when you had the Steiner brothers and uh, and the Beverly brothers and the uh, the head shrinkers and the smoking money guns. Inc. Money Inc was still kind of hanging around too for a little while. After the money Inc can go can can you know go kick rocks. They were boring <laughs> as shit. But anytime you got Erwin R. Scheister involved, I'm not into it. But uh, and Ted DiBiase, I always thought was overrated. I never understood that guy. I mean, he was a great character, but even going back to like you know UWF and whatever, I never got him bell to bell. I think Ted DiBiase is one of the most overrated wrestlers. That's a guy who's solid, functional, good at what he does, and just d- brings nothing to the table to get you excited. I mean, I just never understood Ted DiBiase. And I and, and Mike Rotundo. Mike Rotundo is one of the worst wrestlers. I mean, he's one of the most boring wrestlers of all time. I mean, one of the sweatiest. And most boring wrestlers of all time. I just, he just, and his, his sons are just as bad. But, uh, but that era of tag team, you should go back and watch some smoking guns matches. Those dudes were stiff as fuck. They did some innovative shit. They were wild men. 
And you would get them in there with the guys like the Steiners and uh, the Head Shrinker. There were some crazy tag matches during that era that that really I don't think people talk enough about it. Yeah, the guns the guns were like athletic at that point too. Like Billy Gunn yes. could really get. I mean, like for his size, could really move and stuff too. Like so, you're saying they would stiff dudes and then they would do like an amazing leapfrog drop kick combo thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah smoking the guns, smoking guns awesome. yeah. would stiff the shit out of jobbers. I mean, they would destroy jobbers. It was it was something to be. Which is it's funny because all- that's like their first year. <laughs> yeah, and they like already working like. You know, twelve-year veterans like they're fucking Ole Anderson out there. It's like, yeah, smoking you know, guns. Like, what are you doing? That was a crazy era, man. Sprinkling a little well done. Remember, well done. Rich. I do remember well done. Yeah, they're the, both uh, dead now, right? So uh, I don't know about well. I think, right, it's, it's well, Rex Dunn, King right? died years ago, and I think Steve uh, Dahl died recently, right? So I think they're both dead. Uh, let's see, they're both. Uh, yeah, it's not looking good here. Uh, yeah, Timothy Well died in uh, January 2017, so you're right, not that long ago. And then Steve Dowell died in 2009, so yeah, Well Done is is the done. southern the <laughs> southern rockers are no more. They are they are both yeah. deceased. But yeah, Wesley Blake is getting no heat with this. I can promise you that he's going nowhere with this gimmick. Uh, Wesley needs another repackaging because this stinks. He's wrestling uh, Drew McIntyre right now. Is that his name again, or what's his name now? Hey, he's, Matt, he's Drew he's Galloway. Matt Hitler, yeah. Wait, is he Galloway or McIntyre? I thought he was Drew McIntyre. I'm tired, Rich. Which one is he? <laughs> you know, I don't remember now, actually. I, I haven't seen that. I haven't, I, I'm way behind on He's McIntyre. He's McIntyre, right? Galloway was the... Why don't we know this? This is embarrassing. No, he's McIntyre. <laughs> McIntyre, right? Yes, That's his WWE. Yes. Why didn't they give him his old music? His old music was awesome. Uh, was it? Remember his old music, his 2011 music? Nah, I thought it sucked. Are you sure? Was it actually good? Oh, what are you, crazy... I'm going to get the music of the Mac guys on here. They're going to bury you. <laughs> that, he had some of the best theme music going, like, during uh, the Superstars era. But wasn't it just like a generic rock theme, like all those fucking... No, 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 no. You're way off. This, he, has a, he has a theme that's universally loved from that era. People were mad when he didn't bring it back. All right, I'll have to, I'll have to listen to it again. Yeah, I don't you remember. I, I, I just kind of assumed that everybody in those days had, like, the really terrible... Because that was the era where, like, for five years, everybody just had the worst, like, new metal rock you know, intro or whatever. It was always the worst. Like, like Ted DiBiase Jr. Had, like, you know, all those guys that just had the fucking worst music ever. So, Oh, yeah. Ted Jr. He's yeah. A, he was even worse than his father. He, well, yeah, by by miles. Yeah. I, I actually like the uh, Ted DiBiase. The, the, not senior, because there's a... Uh, isn't there another Ted? What, what, was, uh, what was Ted's father's name? Oh, his name is Mike DiBiase. Oh, that was Mike DiBiase. Yeah, yeah. So, so he is senior. So Ted Sr., I was always... Uh, I, I enjoyed him, but I thought Ted DiBiase Jr. was the absolute... So the, the, the theme you're looking for, Rich, is Broken Dreams. The Broken Dream Dreams. Dreams. Okay, I will, listen, the, I will listen after the show. and I will That is one of the top the themes they've had in many years. It's a great okay. theme. Okay. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, that was the women's money in the bank. I didn't get wound up about any of it. I thought the match was better than I was expecting. Didn't give a shit about the finish, honestly. Um, and here's the thing. You know, yeah, could they have, quote, unquote, created history? Here's the thing, though. I saw someone tweet this. I can't remember who, so it's not like I'm not trying to give credit. I just honestly can't remember. Someone made a great point on Twitter, though, that for all this talk and they've tried to create all these memories with the women, how many of these great memories that they created have stuck? I mean, Rich, what was the what was that first all-women's main event that they did on pay-per-view? Do you remember the match? Do you remember who won it? Do you remember what show it was? I don't. You, yeah, You I don't, don't know, right? Yeah. So how great of a moment was it if no one can fucking remember? And remember at the time it was a big deal? I don't remember the match. I don't remember who won, and I don't remember what show it was on. So how much of a great moment could it have been? It didn't resonate. So it's like, um, you know, I forget who made that point, but I thought it was an excellent one. Uh, you know, a lot of these moments they have tried to create haven't resonated anyway. Uh, you know, with with the uh, 
with the women. So um, would this have resonated if Carmelo was the one to climb the ladder? Were you going to remember that forever? Were you? I don't know. Maybe you would have. Maybe you wouldn't have. But I'm leaning towards you wouldn't have. No, I don't think you would have either. I just think the, the, the just the in a in a company that's you know in in a way saying how they're doing this women's revolution and they're they care about the women and they're trying to do more stuff for women. Da, 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 da. I just think the optics of having a man go up there and grab the case and then just toss it down to to, to a woman. I I don't know. To I get me, it. That, that it's just like it's, it's a terrible finish. Listen, yeah, I, I'm yeah. not disputing it's a terrible finish. I just I'm not all that wound up about it. This company does a lot of terrible finishes. And then, like him just running out and declaring that he was the winner, even though the rest of the shirt too. It's like, what are we? Look, doing? I don't think. Look, I don't think Ellsworth belongs in the company to begin with. I'm outspoken about that. I think it's it's a waste of. I mean, they gave that guy. They gave a guy who should have had a six week storyline a two year contract. So they're stuck doing something with him. And uh, you know, this is the shit that we get. Yep. And Carmela stinks. She still stinks. I, you know. Yeah, she's not great. So. She may get better at some point, but right now she still stinks. So, and you're right. Tamina stinks. Is Tamina the, the the okay? Do you think Tamina is the person who has lasted the longest on this roster ever? Who was completely useless and terrible? Has uh, anyone? No, that's Rosa Mendez. That that is. Oh, that's a good point. Right. I, has she outlasted Rosa Mendez though? That's the question. Uh, I don't think so. Rosa Mendez was there for like ten years. Yeah, she's not worse than Rosa Mendez. No, Rosa Mendez was the absolute worst. Uh, Tamina, she's been there quite a while. I'm I telling you, it's getting close. It's getting there. Yeah, I gotta. I, I, let me let me see when Tamina jumped into the uh, the company here. So I got her. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Yeah. N- no. Oh, it was Mendez there? Oh my God, Rosa Mendez came in. <laughs> Are you looking it up as well? I, I I forgot. She's she's now officially out of there though, right? She's gone. She's now gone. Yeah, I think she she came in. I thought if you count the Divas search, what two thousand five, two thousand six. Maybe 2006, she uh, competed in the Diva Series. OVW so. 2006 till 2015. <laughs> but it's getting close. Tamina it's might. getting there. You're not right. Yeah, but she, Tamina have to get extra worthless in the next two years to, to pass up Rosa Mendez, who never knew what the hell she was doing ever at any point in her entire WWE 10 years. So. Right. Um, all right, let's get to the rest of this Money in the Bank card. I have like literal no strong thoughts about any of the other matches except for the main event, so I'll let you do the heavy lifting on here. But you got the New Day uh, defeating the Usos. Um, by countout, though. By countout, to declare. So they did not win the tag team titles here because this is for the SmackDown tag team titles. Uh, Joe, what do you think of the New Day and the Usos? Okay, so I felt like an idiot earlier because I'm watching the show and live-tweeting it, and I was bored as shit watching this match. And I typed out, I tweeted out that I, I love everything about the heel Usos, except their boring matches. And as soon as I hit send, the match kicked it up a notch, and I loved it. I mean, I thought the closing stretch of this was great and, uh, and saved the first half of the match. Um, there was some really cool stuff uh, that they did uh, down the stretch. And honestly, it, 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 you know, depending where you stand on the main event, it may have been the best match on the show. Um, so I, I yeah I, I I I enjoyed it a lot. All right, uh, move on to Naomi and Alana for the women's. Oh, no thoughts from you. I on have that like match. none. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Like <laughs> that, this this Did morning, the like, you watched me. it yesterday. Uh, no, not really. I, I thought it was. I, I'm really into the Usos right now. I should say that. Um, I you, you know you talk about the boring matches. I. I I don't know if I necessarily think they're, they're boring because I'm kind of into the, the the change in style. I mean, it might be a thing where in, in a you know four or five months I'm like, Ugh, all right, it's another Usos match or whatever. But I really like the way just, just knowing that it's 
this team, this team that used to be the high flyers, this team that used to be colorful and, and, and do the hot tags and do all this sort of stuff and dive in between the ropes and dive in each other's legs and, and do all this sort of stuff. Just me, I'm, I'm sort of interested in seeing them sort of adapt their style and work a little bit slower and work a little bit more stiff. And like, I'm, I'm still into the Usos and, and, and whatever the whole Usos thing is. So to me, I didn't necessarily, I, I haven't really disliked them thus far. I haven't think they're boring. And, and I thought they were really good here yet again. And, and, and I like the match, but it's like, you know, I watched it on Sunday and it's like, now it, it seems so long ago <laughs> to see a lot of this stuff. And that's going to be kind of the theme of this pay-per-view is like when it was all said and done, it, it dropped from my brain. And, and, and it's one of those ones that I, I, other than that women's money in the bank, I retained almost nothing in the last, you know, four days, <laughs> you know, about money in the bank. All right. Well, the hell with you. I liked it, Rich. Um, I enjoyed the match. Uh, the count out. The count out didn't bother me. Um, I, I said I liked I, it. I said I liked the match. You know, I thought the count out. level you did. So uh, here's one that I don't think anybody liked: Naomi and Lana <laughs> for the women's championship. Uh, Naomi thankfully won in seven minutes and thirty seconds. Ooh, this was. I don't think anybody liked this. Could any? Could, could there be anybody in the world that could actually have finished this match and said, "Yeah, I enjoyed that." Yes, that was Lana's, a good use of my seven. Yeah, I, yeah. I tell you, <laughs> Lana's mom. And whichever the Usos that Naomi's married to. I believe Jay, but I, I have no clue if that's correct at all. Jimmy, if you, if you put a gun to my eye, I got no clue which is which. Um, but whichever one is married to her and maybe Lana's mother, I don't know. Otherwise, this was garbage. Um, what do you think of the Carmella tease? Yeah, I, I, it was, it's actually Jimmy. <laughs> so we had it wrong, so I apologize. I don't know who Jay Uso is to see. Um, I like the tease, and I think <laughs> here's the other thing, too, about the logic of of this company. And I don't know why I even spend two fucking seconds thinking about it, but why the hell, if you're Carmelo, would you not cash that thing in right away? You know that it's going to be, that there's an issue. They mention it on TV of, oh man, Daniel Bryan, he's going to come and, and he's going to be really pissed and he's going to say something about this. I mean, like if you're, if you're smart, wouldn't you just cash that thing in as soon as possible? Cause you know, it's probably going to get taken from you. You know that there was some nefarious things going on. I would have absolutely cashed that in if I was Carmella. That's how I would have done the story as well. Like have her cash it in right away. She doesn't have to be successful with it. She can just cash it in. I mean, if you want to play up the story again, that, that Carmella is just sort of this, this idiot that doesn't really cu- quite know what she's doing. And Ellsworth is, is dumb too. Have her cash it in, have Ellsworth cost her the mat, you know, something like that to do if you want. I, I would have absolutely had her cash it in. Why did you not have her cash it in? Why would she hold on to this thing? Why did I, I don't know. Attribute? Why did I just attribute logic? I'm sorry. I, I'm just move on. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Why did I even think for a second about logic? I thought all of this stunk, and I didn't care about any of it. <laughs> it was garbage. I don't the know one thing though, I will mention what's, what's good about Carmelo though they've um, they've updated her music because you know how like we all we would always laugh and everybody would laugh at that like boom boom. Boom, boom. They, like that beginning of her song where like yes. nobody makes a noise they now just immediately go to the fabu so which is perfect so they don't but give that even two seconds of like nobody it's just immediately let's play the song as loud as possible okay she's out good perfect like she still doesn't get much of a reaction she doesn't but the song's too loud so you can't tell i also uh in the money in the bank uh, just to kind of circle back there my favorite thing still and i love how it still happens is when natalia comes out that first second when her music plays and it's the screech like the bret hart screech there's always a pop and then it immediately goes away to zero. It goes from like 90 to zero in two seconds. And I think like subconsciously every wrestling fan is just like, oh, Bret Hart. Oh, right, Natalia. <laughs> like you hear it every time. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> like every single time. Like I've been live at events where it happens and it's the greatest thing ever. People are like, ah, Natalia. All right. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's perfect. It's just wired into our brain. That was like two seconds of the Bret Hart screech. Like, ah, oh, damn it. Okay. It's not, but uh, that's our thoughts on Amy Lana. Do you have any other 
I mean, Lana, what? really good at the rear chin lock, I guess. Um, Let's move the fuck on. I yeah, just do that. Jinder Mahal defeating Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. Joe, I know you got a lot of thoughts on this. I mean, I do. I, I mean, look, it's very clear that they don't trust Jinder Mahal. They know that he stinks. And they do everything in their power to make sure that that's hidden. Because you have the Singh brothers taking all the bumps. Um, oh, those dudes are the MVPs of, of WWE right now. I'm, those listen, guys are working their asses off. Bollywood one and two have stepped up. I mean, they've done a nice job. You know, um, I think that I think uh, it's 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 you know, and in this particular match, they look. Here's how both Jinder Mahal matches have gone against Randy Orton. His Which, big, by the way, these matches were identical. Like you could watch them side yes. by side, and I think like from the steps from the like literally identical almost between these two matches. Yeah, he's he's they've both been identical. Jinder Mahal works a body part in in both matches. Works a body part relentlessly. Uh, because that's the easiest thing to do, right? It's just continuously work a body part. They keep it very simple for this man. Uh, the Singh brothers bounce all over the place, and Randy Orton murders them at some point. And uh, there's tons of distractions and shit going on, and and all kinds of you know crazy shit, and uh, which leads to a schmaz finish. And in this match, you had all the old guy. You had Randy Orton's old man, and all the other you know '80s guys sitting out there: Baron von Raschke and Sergeant Slaughter, and who else was out there? Was Harley Race out there? I don't remember. Uh, Harley, oh no, I don't think Harley was out there. Um, yeah, Baron von Raschke. Uh, uh, you had Orton. Uh, who were the uh, Sergeant Slaughter? Ric Flair. Ric Flair. That was yeah. yeah. The corpse. So, the purple guy was Ric Flair. If you were curious. Yeah. Right. So they get those guys involved. Anything to distract from the fact that Jinder Mahal is wrestling in the match because the guy is just not that good. Um, If if you were to rank out everybody on the roster in terms of, you know, who can go in the ring, he'd be one of the last few guys you would. He's one of the worst people on the roster. I mean, let's be honest about it. And um, that's not me trying to troll or, you know, he's just not very good. And, you know, he's been in big two big time title matches now. And uh, not only has he shown me nothing. Not only has he stepped up and, and, and shown, you know, you could say, well, you know, the night guy never got re- to wrestle anything longer than seven minutes in his life. Give him a chance. Well, now he's had two big time matches. This one went over 20 minutes. I think the other one was a main event and went over 20 minutes. And the guy is just not a very good bell to bell wrestler. He isn't. Uh, and they have to use all these tricks and, 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 and sort of uh, these bells and whistles. And uh, they have to use his entourage to sort of hide that fact. And, and it's a problem. I mean, um, look, look. The goal here is not, you know, the, their goal is not to go out there. This is in 2005 ROH. Okay, I get it. It's not their goal to go out there and have great matches that are going to pop Dave Meltzer. I understand, or pop Voices of Wrestling. I get that. But there is still a working standard in this company that has to be met. And Jinder Mahal does not meet that working standard. He just doesn't. And, you know, his character work has been fine and all of those sorts of things. But bell to bell, this guy stinks. There's no other way to say it, Rich. I mean, I know it, it's uh, – I mean, I, 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 do you think I'm being too hard or do you see something I don't see? I mean, am I being unfair here or – I just think this guy's not good. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you are. Like, I think it's fine. And, and, and again, like you mentioned, the working stare. And I think that's, that's the big thing is, is – to me, I, I don't go into – I don't think they're horrendous. I don't think they're awful. I mean, the, we, look at the match prior if you want to see like just an awful match with awful structuring and a wrestler that has completely no business being in the ring. And that, that's a lot. I mean, Jinder Hall has business being in the ring. He's, he's fine. But are we, we're, we're, I think we're past the level of fine for a main event and, and fine for a main event 
er and, and fine for a champion too. I think we've we've reached past that point, especially with this roster as deep as it is, and and how the WWE has been booked over the last. I mean, it's not like this is. I mean, the last ten years you can really look at where where main events have been a certain level. It's been quite a while since we've seen a guy that needed a lot of you know makeup to make these matches look good and needed a lot of you know tricks and bells and whistles or whatever. Like you got to really go far back to find a champion that they looked that hard to sort of distract from the fact that the guy couldn't work. I mean, we got to go real far back to find that because it, it just hasn't happened because there's been a standard that's been built up over the last 10, 15 years with, with WWE main events. So I agree. There, there, there is an issue there. Um, the, the, for me, I like I like his promos uh, after he did a talking smack after after this pay per view and and did a good job too. He's he's I love how he sort of talks. He talks very calmly. He he talks about you, you know very much of like the the India connection and and does so much to try to build up that little USA. You, you know, the, the people think I'm a foreigner, but in India, you know, they love me. And so I think like so that's all really good, and I think it, it, it's important to do that. But it's just I don't know if it needed to be the world championship, and I don't know how much longer we can go with him being the world champion and 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 him being in these big long featured matches because they're just not great we've seen now two examples where it's been just generic and and it's been repeat stuff i think that's the most important part that i saw about this is is not necessarily that the match wasn't great or 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 whatever it was that it was the exact same as the prior one which lets me believe that they they don't know what else to do like they have this one template for a jinder mahal match and i guess we're just going to see that like four or five more times you know what i mean like that's my biggest concern is not necessarily that that he didn't kill it in the ring and have an awesome match or whatever. Just that the template is very much set and structured, and, and and that could be an issue moving forward. I just think he stinks. That's fair. <laughs> I think that's uh, – uh, I mean, yeah. I, it's, I, it's, I don't yeah, – no, I, I have to watch his matches, Rich. So I don't give a shit if he's the world's greatest promo. The guy stinks. His matches stink. Let's not forget that this is a man who managed to have a bad match against Cesaro. So, that is impressive. Yeah, that's how do you have a bad well, and, and the other thing. Yeah, you really got <laughs> to try to do that. Yeah, it's um, it's just the issue too of like, you know, we faced Orton and we know Orton's a guy who kind of doesn't work. You know, works to his opponent in, in a lot of ways. Like he just kind of goes in there and coasts if he wants to a lot. Um, I, I'm just left with wondering what, what the next steps for Jinder. Who else he wrestles? How else the matches are structured? Because I, I just don't know. I just don't know how long you can really do this and, and, and how long you can kind of keep up the trick. Because he's going to get really exposed one time. It's been nice to have these you know perfectly structured Randy Orton matches where the Singh brothers are, are taking all these bumps. But there's going to be a time, I would or I would assume, where he's going to just kind of have to go in there without all those bells and whistles and without the Singh brothers being there to sort of help him out. And, and how's that going to look? And, and the problem is it's probably going to look exactly how this match was. He's going to work a body part for 15 minutes. Sing Brothers are going to get beaten up, and then he's going to cheat and win. And like, I guess that's what we got now for a few more months. So, if it draws money for them in in India, you're going to have it for a long time. Yeah. Um, I, look, he was really. It's kind of like he just kind of lucked out. He's the only Indian guy they had around. I mean, you know, <laughs> just looking around you. Get out. Yeah, there. yeah. Hey, <laughs> Vince was like, "Do we have an Indian guy?" And they were like, "Yeah, we got three of them. We got that uh, brother tag team, and we got the guy that's on the gas." And Vince said, well, fuck it. Let's push the guy on the gas. I mean, that's how it worked. Let's be honest. You know, it wasn't really like... you, you missed that controversy. People get very upset if you insinuate that. Uh, Who Jim cares? Let him get upset. Up I, you know, I don't <laughs> care anymore, popping, Rich. He's got 6,000 veins popping out of every part of his body. But yeah, Rich, let's, let's, let's very I'm upset a broken about man. <laughs> You're getting 2013, Joe. I don't care anymore. Okay. I'm tired of reining it in. This is what you're getting. Okay. That man is on substances. I don't care what anybody says. 
All right. But either way, he looks like he's on substances. That's the point here. Okay. No, no, that back knee just emerged from nowhere. Okay. That just <laughs> normal, happened naturally. The late 30s back knee. That, that, yeah. always, that vascular, <laughs> those veins all over his body. Yeah. No, he's just. He's, he's right. Work out a line. Tell me how those veins look. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the bottom line is he was the only Indian guy around. Okay, oh, so he got only thirty. So I apologize if people are gonna, you know, oh, he? you can still be in puberty when you're thirty. <laughs> like, we'll get those, I'm sure. You know, it's like you know, maybe they should have looked around for another Indian guy because this one's not very good. But Malibu I will say, Shira. they could go to Malabashira. Now he's even worse. They should have hired <laughs> Sanjay Dutt. Oh, okay. No, yeah, they tried to hire Sanjay Dutt to be fair, and uh, he chose TNA. So um, you know, but. Um, I don't know if they were hiring him for this role, but who knows? He could have, you know, found his way into it. I do think Jinder, though, he's look, look, he projects himself as 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 a, as a heel and all of those things, so that's fine. He just he's not good in the ring, so I guess we should move on to Breeze Dango. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of not good in the ring, uh, Breeze Dango, Breeze Dango, Fandango, and Tyler Breeze, of course, defeating the Ascension, Connor and Victor. <laughs> I don't know what the – this was like they did a TV angle. and they. What are, they, your, hot they, what are your hot takes on this? I love Breeze Dangle. Can we please I, not spend – Can we? I enjoy it too. Can we please not spend more than three minutes and 50 okay, seconds? Okay, I promise because that was the length of the match. Okay. I enjoy the fashion police. I think uh, these men – I think I Tyler Breeze in particular is underutilized. Um, oh, I Pete agree. Dunn, Pete Dunn versus Martin Stone here on NXT from like a month ago. I can get into this. Um. I, I think fashion police are a lot of fun. I enjoy them. Um, <laughs> the Ascension, I don't know. I mean, Victor, you know how I feel about Victor and Connor. Um, look, I don't know, man. I, what am I supposed to say here? They did like a little TV <laughs> angle. They set this up. Um, I, it, it didn't offend me. I mean, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed this more than Naomi and Lana. I mean, is you know, it only burned three minutes or whatever. What are we were, doing? Were Can we just go to the yeah. main event? Yeah. Once I will ask you this though: Were you upset that it wasn't? Because because people were, I, I saw some people on, on on Twitter and and other places being very upset that it wasn't like the authors of pain or you know uh, uh, American Alpha that were the ones that were beating up Breezango and it was instead the Ascension. Like, why would you do the story for the Ascension? Did you care about that? I think American Alpha doesn't exist anymore. They're like uh, Lanny Poffo and WCW status. They're just <laughs> it's cash in the check. Are they even injured? What is the deal? I, uh, I, had a little... I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's what an interesting thing that is. I don't. Uh, they're they're with they're somewhere with Oni Lorcan. Just you know, oh, Oni Lorcan's in. Uh, he's hanging out in NXT now. Once you catch up to like this month of NXT, you'll see he, he's there. Okay, he pops um, up again. I feel like uh, you know what I feel like. I feel like Rob Reed watching New Japan. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like guys, this Okada match, draw you guys. I mean, he had a draw. Yeah, like Robin Reed, who I, he's caught up now. I think he's in like September of 2015 or something. He's not so. caught up. He's like two years behind. <laughs> but that's catching. He was at like 2013, like last year. Like he was, he was still like really big into like this Tenkoji, you know, title run thing going on. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, he's gotten closer. He's, he's, I think he skipped Road 2 shows, which has really helped him out a lot. So We went too long. Okay. <laughs> you went over to 350. I, I started to shut up. You just kept it going. <laughs> We've gone too long. All right. Main event time. Money in the back, uh, Money in the Bank ladder match for the WWE Championship. Match contract. You had Baron Corbin, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. Of course, Baron Corbin gets the win. Joel, I'll ask you first. Baron Corbin winning. Thoughts? Upset. I, I don't care about. I, I don't Who care cares? about that. Yeah, I, yeah. but it, the, the thing about this match is, I'm watching this, and um, 
athletically they're doing all this cool stuff and there's a lot of great spots and Kevin Owens is all over the place and AJ Styles is dangling from the ceiling and um, you know Sami Zayn is, is is a nut job and everyone's working super hard and they're going through ladders and they're falling out of the ring and I'm just thinking to myself if this were like seven or eight years ago I'd be popping through the roof for all this but I'm just so over these ladder matches that none of it I felt none of it I was just it was just this is like it, it this felt no different to me than an eight minute SmackDown match. I just, I'm, I'm so over these ladder matches. They do nothing for me. And I felt bad because what I was watching was, was I should have been impressed and they were putting their bodies at risk and there was lots of cool stuff happening. And I just couldn't get myself into it. I couldn't enjoy the match the way I wanted to enjoy it. I mean, it was good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it wasn't a good match, but I just, I couldn't get into it. And they did one of my least favorite spots. And you know where I'm going with this, where, Nakamura gets taken out before the match starts, and then this was no different than uh, you know your your stretcher spot where the guy gets carried off on the stretcher, and then you know he's going to miraculously return. I mean, Rich, you're just waiting around waiting for Nakamura to come back, right? I mean, nobody in that arena thought that Nakamura was done. Like, yeah. not a single person in that arena knew he thought he and was done. And that's the so. kind of shit for me that ruins my suspension of disbelief because that ruins everything that's happening before Nakamura comes back because I know intellectually nothing matters until Nakamura comes back down the aisle. And not only does he come back, but they play his music when he comes. It's all so goofy. You know, I mean, it's just not what I want in my wrestling. So he comes back and then things got really cool. They did the cool spot. They did the Nakamura AJ Styles standoff where, you know, they looked like they were going to climb the ladder, but instead they moved the ladder aside. I thought they both milked the crowd brilliantly in that spot. They got the crowd hyped up. And then they went at it, and it was one of those rare moments where this company – listen, when this company gets it right, you do get those chills. That was a cool moment, and you hope that that goes somewhere cool, and you hope that you know it's a little early. You suspect that they might do it at SummerSlam or something, but you hope that those two guys have a match maybe at WrestleMania, but it might be too soon since they started teasing it now um, that they, they'll probably do it sooner. Um, but that was a really cool moment, and then um, – yeah, like I said, this was a good match, but I, I, you know, I know a lot of people thought it was great. I just, I think I'm just, I, I just, I can't get into these ladder matches anymore, man. I just, yeah, you're not just desensitized. Me. Yeah, you really desensitized, and, and I don't blame you, Joe. I want you to guess how many money in the bank ladder matches there's been. Oh God, the number's probably astronomical because they had them every year at these WrestleManias. Then they turned it into its own pay per view. Then you're having two per pay per view. Then you're having. Uh, there's got to be at least twenty. Uh, it's actually 19 is the number. There will be 20, 19. though, because um, uh, <clears throat> the women are redoing the Money in the Bank uh, ladder match. Of course, yeah. to, that will be 20. So just to really drive it in, let's do another one you know, a week or two after another one. But, yeah, that's that's really how I kind of am in a lot of ways with these. Like, I still enjoy this match because any good ladder match, and I, I've always said this, like ladder matches to me are like pizza. It's like even a really bad ladder match is still uh, pretty okay to me, and I'm still always into it. I'm a little Davey Meltzer uh, in that as well, but where I just I, I love the ladder, but uh, I do get desensitized a little bit. Like the spots were cool and stuff, but I thought, um, <clears throat> and I guess it's kind of what you mentioned, where where you knew that Nakamura was coming back. So everything that happened prior to that, all the the spots and all the falls and all that sort of stuff, kind of seemed meaningless in the grand sense because you're like, all right, none of it really is going to play into an eventual finish until Nakamura comes back, and that, that's to their discredit of doing that sort of thing where, where they take the guy out because then you just are completely taken out of the match waiting for the guy to come in. It's like the old WCW Nitro main events where it's like, all right, whatever. Everyone's looking at their entrance way. Like, all right, when's the NWO coming out? Like, I don't, don't care. Cause you know, it doesn't matter until they come out. Uh, and that's kind of how it felt a little bit with this, but I thought the spots were good. I thought the guys took uh, a ton of risks or whatever, but yeah, I had a tough time getting really invested in it. 
And I think partially it was because I kind of knew who was going to win, and and I was correct in, in, in thinking Baron Corbin was going to win, and I just never really – and I'm not into the Baron Corbin story or, or Baron Corbin at all. So that kind of took me out of the match too because at no point did I think Dolph Ziggler was going to win. At no point did I think of Kevin Owens. At no point did I think Sami Zayn. And uh, I, I really didn't think Styles or Nakamura had much of a chance either. So it was really just left to Baron Corbin, and that kind of took me out a little bit of the match too. So that's – maybe if I wasn't sort of the interconnected fan or, or whatever, I would have cared a little bit more. But for this, it was just like this inevitable slog to get to Baron Corbin climbing up the ladder. And to me – I don't know. It was hard to get really uh, invested in that, but I thought the spots were good. The work was good, but my emotional investment was was, was almost a zero. Yeah, um, I don't know. I could live without seeing one of these for a while. I just, I don't know. I just wasn't into it, and I wanted to be into it. So there was a lot of cool stuff going on. I just found it difficult. Yeah, no, and I don't blame you. It's it, it it's and, and they've become desensitized, and I think a lot of people have become because you, you're seeing more and more of the spots, and and people aren't reacting quite as much as they were. You know, the first time Shelton Benjamin climbed up the ladder and did that uh, the, the choke slam. Remember when he climbed up the rungs and did the or the uh, clothesline? I should say, people went nuts. People went absolutely nuts, and people went nuts for a lot of the early money in the banks, and and really went nuts for them until a few years ago, and now less less and less it's happening, and these guys are unfortunately having to do more and more risks to get the crowd invested in it. And yeah, so we've reached a point where we just need to kind of take a little bit of a break. Maybe it's as little as doing only one a year. Maybe it's as little as just skipping the pay-per-view for a few years or whatever, or I don't know what you do necessarily. They've kind of built that into the story where you kind of need a money in the bank briefcase. Now the way they but do you, but do no, you? I agree. No, I, I don't think you do, but they have now built that up. I mean, again, this is, think about this. There are people who since 2005, Joe, that's all they've known. Right. Is that that's how guys get title shots? In it's the a summer. thing. Yeah, like there there are people. That, what's it? 2017 right now. There are 12 right. year olds that that's that's all they no, know. There's not 12. There's like 20 year olds. And that's maybe I mean. like, they were fans when they were. Yeah, yeah. Like there there are minimum 12 year olds, and then there are 20, 21 year olds, 22, 23. Where all they know in wrestling is that you get a briefcase, and, and that's how you get your title shot. Right. And so they've gotten used to that. So it's hard to really. I, I would do it. It's fine. There's nothing stopping you from doing it, but I get why they don't. They get kind of caught in these tropes, and it's an easy story for them to tell as well. It's an easy way well, to you, build somebody well, you up. you got a million people running around with these briefcases. <clears throat> I mean, how much does it mean anymore? No, I mean, it doesn't mean shit, but to them, it, that's how they tell their stories. Because you know. the first few were awesome. I mean, the cash-ins and, uh, the, you know, as a traditionalist, I had a bit of an issue with people winning titles that way, uh, but it was post-Attitude Era, so it was kind of like they had already, you know, pissed away whatever sure, right. uh, prestige their titles had. Uh, but it still bothered me from that perspective. I still, there was still part of me that had a problem with people running down an aisle and winning a title in 30 seconds, you know, in a quote unquote, it still bothered me on some level, but it did produce cool moments. I mean, you know, the edge moment was incredible. The that, one, yeah, that, that's, that still remains. Yeah. The Dolph and the edge one, I think still remain the two favorites for me. A CM Punk too. I mean, his was very good. Um, Others not so memorable, or or you know, and and you know, um, but you know, I, I just I'm just not into it anymore. And um, I I, I kind of think the Money in the Bank match. Do do you think it, it it's sort of better when it's hungry mid carders in the match as opposed to five main eventers? Um, you know, remember yeah, the days when that, it yeah, was Shelton that, Benjamins sure. and Sin Caras and whoever else uh, because Matt you were that next guy. Yeah, it was that next guy up type thing that was kind of cool, where it was like, yeah, this guy, oh my god, this guy has a title shot now. 
he's going to really go for the the problem though is they got a little too cute with it and then you had your Damian Sandows or whatever and once you do that it's kind of right. like all right like this yeah. you know what I mean like because I, I do agree that it was kind of cool for a while but then it became a little too much of the mid carters and too far down the mid card you know ladder and then it became a little bit more of a, a, a joke in that sense but I think there's something to say something to that that you know it being top top main eventers guys that get title shots all the time it, it doesn't seem quite as unique and yeah. but that's why i thought baron corbin was going to win like that's why i thought there was no doubt in my mind that baron corbin right. was walking away with it because he was still what they want to book that uh, you, you know or book book the money in the bank for is, is that kind i of mean thing. really what did because honestly what did aj styles lose out on here like he's not going to get a title shot i mean right yeah he'll get a title you know shot what i mean like anytime you want this is the kind yeah. of point i'm making it's kind of better when it's like a, a group of hungry mid carters and mm-hmm. that's the story no you're not wrong uh, no. are you and you can and you can elevate somebody off of it. You know, I thought the Daniel Bryan win, remember that one in 2011, I guess it was, or 12, one of those two years. I mean, that was a, that was a, you know, that was a good moment. Yeah, no, it was, you it know? was shock. You know, and, and that's, that's what's kind of was always the cool thing of like the, the fact that none of those, those guys came. And I mean his brief, and I mean his briefcase win, not his title. Yeah, win. yeah, of course. The title case, win was, I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, no. But the, yeah. there was a, an element because I, I had been at a few Money in the Bank ladder matches and seen them live or whatever, and there was always that element of okay, any one of these dudes could win, and it's like because they're all sort of mid carders, and it, 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 that's the big surprise that you're kind of waiting for a little bit. Where like you're saying now with this main event, and that's that's kind of what took me out of it too, is because I didn't if, if AJ lost, there was nothing he was going to lose. Like those guys are all going to get title shots regardless of if they win the case or not. But Baron Corbin, you could maybe assume, hey, this is his big chance, and that's why I thought it was pretty obvious that he was going to win from the beginning or whatever. But I think there's something to be said for it just being main eventers versus you know uh, mid carders. Is, 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 is yeah, I think it's it's that. But that's uh, before we move on there. That's money in the bank. Any last thoughts on on that pay per view? Yeah, it stunk. It's a waste of my time, and I can't write, and I can't wait to write the Fighting Spirit review when we're done with this, so I can bury the shit out of it. How about yeah, that? Brian's gonna be upset. You're gonna get too. Uh, he doesn't like you getting too heated in your reviews, right? You got to keep it kind of neutral, right? Uh, no, he just he you know he wants me to be me, but uh, you know it's it's he doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I can't. But he's gonna get you at ten right now. I don't think he wants you at ten though. He wants you at like six, right? No, I mean, I, look, I, I'm allowed to. You attend a lot. I'm allowed yeah. to say it stunk. I can say it stunk. I can bury the matches. I can do that. Um, I can't really go full Joe Lanza, but I can. I can. You know, I, I'm allowed to give my opinion. That's sure. what I mean. You got to so, go t- kind of take a walk after the show before you do that review because yeah, you're, you're at ten right now, and that's not maybe maybe, maybe Rich because you know my phone's been blowing up too with shit that I don't want to see. So I'm, <laughs> I'm even more angry than I was when this thing started. But I tell you, I'm watching this Pete Dunn. He's something else. This oh, guy God, needs to be great. on the main roster, and he needs to get pushed to the fucking moon. You know what he's like? So good. He's like Daniel Bryan fucked Taz in one of those British phone booths that they always have on the stage when they go to England, and that's what it produced. It produced Pete Dunne. That's like what he is. Do they have the, are those phone booths a real thing in the UK that uh, they, they always, are? They are indeed. Yes, yeah. they exist to this day. Like are the, are <laughs> that the, I don't know. That uh, that I'm that's not what sure. I'm asking. Know. Like you know how our old school pay phones you can't find one. You know, um, do those old school big red phone booths that WWE insists on putting on the stage every time they go to England? Do they still exist over there? With the door, like the, the cranky door that you got to like close yeah. and open or whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. Because that's how Pete Dunn was conceived in one of those. Mm-hmm. By Peak ECW Taz. Peak ECW Taz, not, not WWE Taz. Taz yeah. And Daniel Bryan. They got it on in one of them phone booths, and the spawn was Pete Dunn. That's how it happened. This guy's incredible. He needs to be on the main roster. 
and he needs to go all the way. The problem is he's like, what is he, like 5'5 five, five or something? Yeah, he's like 5'5, so, five, 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 yeah. Once a season with you acne, know, and he's kind of yeah. an ugly dude or whatever. I think that works. Like, again, ugly dudes are awesome. Like, ugly dudes in wrestling are incredible because they, they have a sort of aura about them, and especially Pete Dunne because he's going to fuck you up. But, uh, yeah, you know, Vince will see him and go, ah, goddammit. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Pete Dunne, I mean, they, they, I will tell you, I've had from TakeOver, yeah, I was I was there live and, and, and seeing that, too, where, where they showed him on the screen and he just popped immediately. People just fucking were, and I was shocked by that. People were just all into him from the minute they saw him. They put Bruiserweight up on the screen. Everybody went nuts. I was like, that's cool, that's cool. But I had friends that I was with, and, and, and a few of them were casual. They don't really watch a whole lot. When it was all said and done, they went, who is that guy? I need to know more. And then I got a bunch of text messages too of like, how do I see more of that guy? And it was from all, all, all my f- fan friends that are, you know, they they they're they know some stuff, but they're not, you know, they're not watching a, a lot of like Euro, you know what I mean? Like they're not doing a whole lot of that. One of my friends said, I'm subscribing to Progress. What do I have to watch from Pete Dunn? Like that was his tweet to me is, I'm doing this. Tell me what I need to watch. And it was like, that's a, it's a cool moment. That's a guy who just grabs you the second you see him. I mean, that's, that's an, an undeniable cream rise to the top type guy that, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how he, how he does in that company. But you, you, can't, you can't help but be drawn in by him after you know, watching him for 20 minutes just in the ring. You can't help it. Does it concern you that Tyler Bate had mentioned, and I don't know if this is still true today, but he had mentioned this a few months ago, I think after one of the takeovers, that he had still not met Vince McMahon. Does that bother? Does that concern you or bother you? Uh, it doesn't. No, not really. It doesn't surprise me either. So it doesn't surprise me, but it does concern me. You would think that he would. You know, the man was a champion in his company at the time, and he had never even met him or shook his hand. That's a little worrisome because I don't know. It's it's kind of like it kind of shines <laughs> I, a light on the idea. It might be that, intentional. Yeah, it might be intentional too. Of like, don't show Vince these really small European guys. Like, we're, we got a good thing going here for a little bit, but don't let Vince see it because he might go, "Oh God damn it!" <laughs> you think he watches these NXT takeover shows? No, I, mean, I, no. Well, I don't know. He was at that one. He was at that one and stepped backstage right? and shook Triple H's hand. But he's in town for these shows. Do you? Uh, what else is he doing on the Saturday night? I don't know. WrestleMania or SummerSlam? Coke? I don't know. I'm not sure. Probably rewriting WrestleMania 17 times. I don't know. Probably sitting in his fucking hotel room, sipping on coffee, rewriting WrestleMania for the 30th time. Or you're figuring, I, out, listen, figuring out what 40-minute segment The Rock's going to do. I don't know. I think he watches takeovers. I think you're wrong. Do, do I think he watches the Sion Andre Almas Sombra opener? Maybe not. But <laughs> I think he's all in on the main events. And See, I don't. I don't think he is. Why would he? I mean, I don't know. Why would he? It's his company. But it's clear when, when they bring up NXT talents that he has no fucking clue any of their backstories, anything that's going on with them. So I don't I really don't believe that he's watched a second of NXT. Really? You don't oh come on. I mean I, I'll post he's watched that one takeover, but I don't think he's you know, he doesn't know anything about these people when they come up. Okay. He has no idea how to tell their story. I don't think he's tu- listen, I don't think he's tuning into the network to watch Ember Moon, okay? But I think he's watching the takeovers. At but least- if you watch the takeover, you watch the videos before and you know the little bit of their stories. He has no fucking clue. He has no idea of the Bailey story at all. Doesn't care. Doesn't you know, and why would he care? That's not what he books. He books WWE. He doesn't book NXT. He doesn't care. I, I, I think you're giving him a lot more credit than probably, you're probably right. I, I think I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I think he's watching like when the, when he's in town for a takeover, a big takeover. He's got to be in the building, right? I mean, he has to be there. Do you think he's not even in the building? I think less so now because they're on the weekends of like show. Because that's what they're kind of doing now. It's going to be the Saturday before the Sunday. I think his focus is 100% on what's going on that Sunday. And what's or, going do you, on that or, yeah. or do you also think he's just like, look, this is Paul's baby. If I show up, they're going to defer to me. I'm staying out of the way. 
That yeah. could be one of those things. Too. Well, I mean, that that was, I think, the quote that Triple H said is that after whatever takeover it was, he said, you, well, you know, he got up and said, well, you've created yourself a brand and like shook his hand and walked away. Right. And like that, right, that, that's, that's a quote that kind of stuck with me a little bit of like, well, you've done a good job here. All right, bye. Like, right. So maybe he you know, sees it as, all right, they need to see this other guy as the, the, the boss. And if I'm around, it's going to change the whole dynamic of the building. Yeah. So maybe that's why he stayed. But you don't think he's in like a luxury box somewhere watching the show? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't. I think he's got bigger things to worry about than, than what's going on in NXT. I had someone argue with me once, someone who should have known better. That uh, that Vince was like watching ROH tapes in oh, 2006. Right? No, he. Yes. And I was like, "There's not a fucking chance no in hell." Chance in the hell, no. yeah, no. And you you can listen if you listen to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. They talk about all the time that Vince doesn't watch any of that shit. Like right. he might be aware of a guy because somebody's talked about him or said, "Hey, this guy's good." Or he, do you think Vince fucking McMahon has time to pop in? Like you know. <laughs> I think Vince is logging in better than our best right, 2006 and be like, oh <laughs> yeah. man, here we go. Like, I, you don't, this, you don't, you this don't Ricky Reyes is pretty solid. <laughs> you, you don't think you don't think Vince has extreme wrestling torrents bookmarked and he's waiting. He's he's <laughs> tapping his finger on the desk waiting for uh, Bola to come out. You don't God think that's damn, happening? night two of Bola, let's go. <laughs> you don't think that's happening? I got to see this Chuck Taylor story through. See what happens here. Like, you, you don't you don't think he's watching Tournament of Death on the High Spots Network? You don't think that's who happening? are you? Who you name them? That you're shooting tonight. Name who that was. I can't. Oh, I can't. No one would know who it is. You're the okay. you're the only person on earth okay. who would know who it is. So it's it'd be stupid. To, to yeah. All right. All right. That's fine. But there is not a chance in hell that he's watching anything but WWE. Oh, this was a heated argument. They were insisting. No way. He he has to be aware. This person was saying of <laughs> what's going on in his business. Know. He's got guys to do that though. There's no chance in hell that he's doing that. I agree. I agree. I don't know that he even necessarily watches tapes of guys that they hire anymore. I think he trusts that that Regal and 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 Canyon and 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 Triple H. Like I think Triple H probably. I mean, I don't think Triple H is sitting down for like a CWF Mid Atlantic, you know, weekly YouTube show or whatever. But do you I think, think do you think Triple H is watching Evolve shows? Um, I think if somebody tells him he should watch something, I feel like Regal probably watches all that shit or or yeah. a few of those other guys and tells him, "Hey, Paul, watch X." You know. I don't think he's sitting down and watching like the Priscilla Kelly, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> segments or whatever. But I think if they say, hey, this match is, is good. This is a guy that we, you know, have had our eye on. Go watch this or whatever. I think he's probably getting it filtered and we'll watch it. But I doubt that he's, you know, sitting down. I doubt like this Friday he's going to, you know, wipe his desk clean and go, all right, let's go. Evolve 86. Let's do this. Like, I, uh, you know, I, I think he's watching select matches from select people. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's, like, you know, going on the Real Hero Archive and watching, you know, Kento Miyahara going, okay, I like, I like what we got here. You know, this, this is nice. But, uh, yeah, I think Regal probably is. Do you is think and... Cesaro is logging into the Real Hero Archive? Oh, watching. God, yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. I agree. And quite a few guys. I bet Daniel Bryan is. Um, yeah. I guarantee you Cassie Sono slash Chris Hero is. I 100% Oh, that's, oh, that's, a, that's a fucking that's mortal a lock. lock. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. He I mean, is absolutely question. 100% doing that. Yeah, Cesaro probably still is. Um, yeah, there's a there's a few quite a few guys that I think are jumping in for that stuff. I think now a lot of them probably just watching Japan World and 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 maybe that's kind of their their entry. Um, I don't know. If I think a guy like I, listen, like I gotta tell you, I, I think a guy like Chris Hero is watching Heat Up. No, no, Chris Hero is absolutely watching. Yeah, Chris Hero and Cesaro are probably watching every fucking thing in the world. Like they're I think, watching everything. Yeah. yeah, I think majority of the guys are probably watching New Japan, um, the big shows or whatever. 
Yeah. Um, and probably not even the whole show. Maybe just like the you know the last few matches or whatever. I doubt they're watching you know Toru Yano, <laughs> you know six man tags or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think there's there's probably quite what, a few more than what, than per, what percentage of the locker room do you think watched Okada Omega? <sighs> Current locker room, forty five percent. I say seventy percent. You think it's more than that? Okay, yeah. I, and I might be shooting low. I think there. I think a lot of them admire it. I think a lot of them are jealous of it. Are we counting? Are we counting NXT as the quote locker room? Nah, like like Raw. Okay, so like Raw. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. like your common Raw locker room. Like I, I think I think when it, when it comes to matches like that, I think like almost all of them are watching it. I think like your Baron Corbin types aren't. Do you think Ryback watched that match? Mm. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I don't think the big guy. I don't think the big guy. I don't think he watched. Remember when we thought he was going to work his ass off? Well, you know, you keep saying that. Nobody finds that quote. We had a lot of questions. I don't think you got it right. I think we were like, it can go either way. Uh, He'll do well if he embraces it. But we were kind of like, he's the kind of guy who might not. You know, we we weren't sure what was going to happen. I guess we were cautiously optimistic. We we we. If he had tried, then he would do well. But I thought he could have killed it if he did try. But he went the other direction, obviously. <laughs> you know that. Do you th- okay? Let me ask you this: Do you think Nakamura watched Okada versus Omega? Uh, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You think one hundred percent? Yeah, I do. See, I think as a guy who's been there and knows them, to him, it's like, eh. You know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a comparison, but uh, I, I guess it's kind of like if if a guy like, all right. Do you think like Edge is watching all these pay-per-views on WWE Network or someone like that? Yeah, probably not. No, but 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 like, see, that's what I'm saying. I think Nakamura is like, ah, fuck that. I'm not watching an Okada match. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I think this one was such a big deal that he probably had to check it out. I'm sure he heard enough people talking about it, and there's probably enough people that came up to him and said, "Hey, have you seen it or whatever?" That I felt, I, I feel like at one point he probably would have just went and checked it out because because if there's a guy in that locker room and they see that match, who's the guy they're going to want to talk about that match with? I feel like you're going to go up to Nakamura a little bit. You know what I mean? If you have yeah, any you know how wrestler culture is, do you think they'd feel like marks if they went up to him and were like, uh, maybe? I, is that still as prevalent as it used to be? I, don't I know. wrestlers are babies. I think it's probably just as prevalent. Yeah, that is. That is it's weird that wrestlers are babies, especially that company, right? <laughs> right. Like when you get there, you're supposed to act like you're above it all. I think. I think watching shit like that or talking about like it. it it, it's a, it'll get you a negative perception if you're the wrong kind of person. You know what I mean? I, I, I think you got to be careful still. I guess I guess the question would be more who does Nakamura kind of run with, you know, on the road or whatever? Because I feel like a lot of this is happening in like a hotel room, you know, like back in the day, it would be like the hotel yeah. bar and everyone's getting drunk and, you know, fucking everybody that, you know, within a 10 mile radius or whatever. Where now they're just like, retreating yeah. to their, they're retreating to their hotel room and like plugging in like a Chromecast right. and all sitting on the beds, like watching it or whatever. So I guess it would matter who he kind of runs with or whatever, because. That's my favorite thing about how wrestling is. It, now guys just like go and like plug in their you know PS4 and play Street Fighter in, in their hotel rooms as opposed think, to the old days. You, yeah. you think Tazawa is watching King of Gate in the hotel room? I wonder if he's sort of disassociated from, from Dragon Gate. He strikes me as a guy that sort of said, hey, that's that. And I'm kind of going to let that go for a while. Do you think him and Apollo Crews and Sasha Banks and all those people <laughs> that are obviously friends, you think they it's Rich Swan? You think they get together and like keep an eye on? Because you know Sasha Banks is a tape nerd too. She's watching sure. all that. Yeah, shit. absolutely. Yeah. So do you think like you know that whole crew is like you know that's what they're doing? That's a good on Lonely nights on the road. I'm not sure. 
those guys I could see watching a lot of New Japan because obviously you got Ricochet in there, so I think they're always probably interested in a little bit of what he does. Oh, yeah, of course, I don't yeah. know about Dragon Gate. I don't know if they get into uh, deep into Dragon Gate. Do you think Kenta's watching Noah and going, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like, I need to get out of it. I need to go there. This needs help. Like, <laughs> what is happening? Why? <laughs> like, do you think that, you know, I don't know. I, I'm always curious about stuff like that. But uh, well, he's not going to IHOP anymore. Remember when he was always going to IHOP? The man loved his IHOP. <laughs> is he, he banned? Him and Shofunaki. Yeah, he hasn't gone to an IHOP in forever. What the fuck? Yeah, he's he at least go, not tweeting pictures about he it. He doesn't go grocery shopping anymore. Remember Happy Kenta, how awesome that was? He was just like, he got ice cream and loved it, and he was grocery no, shopping. No, that's the loved thing. It. it wasn't awesome. It fucking sucked. <laughs> I want grumpy Kenta kicking people's heads off. And being an asshole. No, no, no. But at that time, we liked Happy Kenta because he was like depressed Kenta for so many years because Noah was such a shit show. Yeah. And then he, we were we were enjoyed Happy Kenta because it's like, oh, okay, like this guy finally found you know something in his life that he liked, and he's eating at IHOP and he's eating pancakes and he loves it and he's drinking coffee and this is, and then you know, now that's gone and now we don't know what the hell Kenta is. I'll tell you what, at least he has some good taste, and he's going to IHOP and not like Waffle House. You know what I mean? Ooh, now you've done it, Joe. Are you kidding? What have I done? You're besmirching Waffle House? Have you ever been to a Waffle House? I have. It's great. They're like fucking waffle. dumps. Oh, no. Isn't that part of the charm, though? I don't want charm. I want good food and a clean environment. <laughs> I feel okay? like IHOP's not good, though. I've never been to a decent IHOP. IHOP is like... Oh, uh, come on. IHOP is like... Like, Waffle House is like the dollar store IHOP. Like, oh, if, it's, if it's an IHOP and a Waffle okay. House, no, you no, I'm, you're, you're out of your fucking mind here. This is ridiculous. Waffle Where, House? Which, which Waffle Houses have you eaten at? Let's let's talk here. I live in the South. I've I've, I've been to Waffle House. But what states? Dumb. Like what states have we eaten at? Let, that, this is important here. Let's let's. They're always dumps, Rich. Waffle what House. states have you had a Waffle House? Waffle I think House. we can all agree that Texas is the dump, regardless of. So I don't. I think we're throwing out all Texas everything. Why? Waffle House is the kind of place where I feel like I need to bring my own silverware. That's how grimy it is. It's just a gross place. It, it no, it's undeniably gross. But that I, I enjoy the gross part of it. Have you ever been to Kettle? Uh, no, I don't know what Kettle is yet. Kettle's like beneath Waffle House. Like, oh, I don't boy. even like driving past a Kettle. <laughs> That's... Listen, Rich, I'm a classy man, okay? I can't be seen in a Waffle House. I'm sorry. You know, it's well, going to be You don't go in like a normal time of the day. You either go at like, you know, 6 a.m. or you're on like a highway exit or whatever. Or yes, like... I mean, you got to go under the cloak of darkness. I right. Mean... Well, that's fine. No, that's part, again, part of the charm. And I know you said you don't like charm, but no, I, I don't. I, I think you're completely off base. Here. I'll walk into an IHOP any time of day. There's no shame in going into an IHOP. Well, that's like brightly lit and shit. Nobody wants that. Like, why does nobody yeah, want brightly lit? Because if you're off like a highway, if you're in Kentucky on like a highway or whatever, you don't want like a brightly lit. You just want to like get in there, have somebody call you a doll, throw a bunch of hash browns in your face, you eat them, and then you get out of there. That's, okay, so I, let me get it straight. You want the waitress chomping on a piece of gum? Yeah, well, I want like cigarette ashes in my yeah. eggs. Like, yeah, she smells like she smells like an ashtray. She's chomping on gum. She's got her fist on her hip, and she's like, "What can I get you, hun?" That's Doll, what you want. Dollar hun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want that. And then I open you my know? mouth and they go, oh, you a Yankee, huh? <laughs> like, she's oh, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. eagle clawing your drink like right on the top of the glass. You know, <laughs> it's disgusting. Her dirty yeah. nicotine stained fingers are all over your glass. Like you want that. I don't want that. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's the Yeah, I don't know. You're, you're totally off base here. You know, like she's seen a few things, that kind of waitress. I don't yeah, want yeah. that. Like you might hear the N word while you're there and you're like, oh boy, all right. <laughs> I guess See, I don't that. know why <laughs> you want that. I'm not interested in that. There's a know? certain, I mean, I guess like if there was one near me, um, I wouldn't really enjoy it that much, but there's a certain charm for me. Like I'm driving down to South Carolina. It's like 4 a.m. and I we're, we're hungry as hell, or it's you know 6 a.m. and we've been driving for 10 hours or whatever. Waffle House is incredible for that. 
the her story name is, that you listen. can hear in a Waffle House. Like you sit down. The best part about Waffle House is you sit down and, and anybody within f- 40 feet of you immediately starts a conversation with you. And it's never a conversation you want. It's thinly- yeah, but again, none of this is selling me on Waffle House. Oh, it's incredible! It's it's the experience, Joe. It's 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 because like it's a thinly veiled racist conversation that you have with this guy, and you're like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you a Yankee? And like every conversation is a you're a Yankee, you're from Chicago, a lot of gangs in Chicago, and then you know exactly where it goes after that. You're just like, all right, all right yeah, all right, like yeah, yeah, no, like rich, like again. oh, you guys got a lot of blacks up there. I'm like, yeah, no, we, we yeah, I guess. How is this any of this good? I'm but still not. I, following. You're out of your mind. It's incredible. It's, this it's, is not good. The waitress, her name is Marge. Every time, her Mar- she's G. her name is Margie. She, Margie, it's Marge, it's Margie. She's 52. Her husband's a trucker. He hasn't spoken to her in 10 years. The only words he said to her in 10 years is is get me a beer. Um, they haven't had sex in like 12 years. Um, that's who she is, you know. And she's she, got a curly, she's, like kind of mullet thing, but she puts it in a ponytail. She hasn't washed her apron since 2011. She's eagle clawing your glass. This all sounds great. I don't know what you're talking about here. And that's why I don't want anything to do with Waffle House. And I will gladly take. I, I will sit with Kenta in in IHOP. <laughs> no, not anymore. He's not allowed. I don't think. No, no. You can go to Waffle House I think with kick somebody and isn't allowed there. I don't know. You can go to Waffle House with Southern Indie Star of your choice. I'm going to I'm going to IHOP with Kenta and 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 show and my my good friend Shofunaki and we're enjoying a a a nice Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity breakfast from a some clean waitress throwing some boysenberry some boysenberry syrup from a clean waitress in a clean sterile environment uh, and where I don't have to bring my own silverware. And uh, and and you can enjoy the Waffle House with with whatever grimy indie wrestler of your choosing, mm-hmm. uh, a tank maybe if you so choose, and you can have that with Margie. I'm going to IHOP, and I'm not getting botulism from the meal I'm being served. How about that? Well, I've never gotten sick on Waffle House. I'll just tell you that. So you need to, you need to build up your immunity with it. That's you know. No, because I'm never going to Waffle House again. I had. I've been to Waffle House like two times. It was probably both in Texas, though. Texas. No, they were both like on the way to Texas, like in one of these shit dick backwoods states. I don't know which one I was in, but it, it, you can't, let's Waffle call it House, Mississippi. Let's call it Mississippi. Let's say Mississippi. It works fine. Um, but I, I don't want to be in Waffle House ever again. It's just it was a bad experience, you know. I tell you, I don't want to go to Cracker Barrel either, and not because it's dirty. Cracker Barrel does suck, yeah, because it sucks. Cracker yeah. Barrel sucks. Okay, there's nothing good there. The food's terrible. I don't want to sit in your dumb rocking chair. I don't want to play your dumb checkers. That look, I just that game fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah come on, you know. So what, what I, about their kitschy gift shop though? There's like old. I don't, I don't care about your kitschy gift shop. I'm not buying your knickknacks. Okay, I just want to fill my belly. Okay, I don't. I don't want to buy your Cracker Barrel wares. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in your Cracker Barrel gimmicks. I'm just not. So. It's it's I want nothing to do with the cracker barrel. People love this cracker barrel. I don't understand, Rich. Yeah, that, that's a little weird. Uh, you're going to get a lot of heat for your Waffle House takes, though, and and, and rightfully so because you're absolutely off base. I think a lot of people are going to be on my side, but Waffle no, House, no. very gross. I mean, no. you, as soon as you walk, people in the know Waffle that House, though. Everybody, you know that going in that it's gross. That's not a problem though. Like like for me, I, it, it's the same way with a lot of places by me. Like the grosser the Chinese place, the better it always is. Like if it's a clean, I immediately I'm like, ah, I don't. This place isn't going to do. it. I don't mind a gross Chinese place. But see, why don't you hate a, a gross Waffle House? Then I don't know. I think it's just because 
Because the, the um, gross Chinese, there's nothing better than just to discuss. And then, like, people are just yelling and screaming. And then you walk in, and they're like, oh, hello. And you're like, you just know it. They're like, oh, it sounds like there's bombs going off in the room. <laughs> right. like, like, it's a horrendous. Like, oh, one sec. Like, I think your orders are, yeah, oh, one sec. You're like, yeah, I had this order or whatever. She's like, okay, one sec. Then she goes back and, and she's screaming with her husband. The, hum- yeah. the husband's throwing things. Like, you know, the, f- the walk just, hits the ground. And, like, yeah. In a foreign tongue, like, not in English. And you know, if you went into that kitchen, you'd be horrified. Right, right. But that's but, always always the best ones, though, right? Absolutely. Same but thing then why with, is like, it not the same for Waffle House? No, I have to tell you, same thing with, like, Texas barbecue. Like, the grimier the barbecue pit, the better it is, and I will be drawn to it, rather than going to, like, a chain barbecue where it's clean. That's never as good. But for whatever reason, like, when I walk in the Waffle House, I immediately want to burn my clothes when I leave. I don't even want to – I just want to throw my clothes out like I committed a murder. Like, did you ever kill somebody and you're like, ah, now i got to get rid of this shirt. I really uh, like this I shirt. have not killed anybody yet. And, but, and you're please like – Please do go on, yeah. You're like, I just bought these shoes. Now I've committed murder and mm-hmm. I have to burn these shoes. Like, when I walk into Waffle House I, and I walk out, I feel like, okay, I like this outfit I'm wearing. It's a nice ensemble. But I have to burn it because it was in a Waffle House. That's the feeling I get when I walk out of a Waffle House. Like I just murdered somebody. And right about now, there's a few people I'd like to murder. Uh, so it, this whole scenario is 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 making a lot of sense. I should bring them to the Waffle House and just kill two birds with one stone, right? The food might kill them. I've never been sick on a Waffle House. You know, Joe, we're talking about great food here. Waffle House, of course, has the greatest food in the world. But you know who has even better food, Joe? I think Blue Apron has better food than Our Waffle House. Our friends at Blue Apron have much better food because Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient speed delivery service in the country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. Those of you who spend a lot at restaurants or high-end grocery chains or Waffle House, you don't have to do that anymore. You can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Joe, here are some of the uh, featured upcoming meals. Warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons. Spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice, as well as a peach honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. I can choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or you can let the Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Recipes are not repeated within a year, so you'll never get bored. Uh, you can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. And Blue Apron has several delivery options as well, so you can choose what fits your needs, get it delivered exactly when you want, the day you want, skip a week if you're not going to be home, you're on vacation, you're not going to be whatever. You can skip a week, jump back in whenever you want. Uh, there's no weekly commitment, so you get deliveries only when you want them. Each meal comes with step-by-step easy-to-follow recipe cards and pre-portioned ingredients, and all of the meals can be prepared in less than 40 minutes. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals absolutely free, 100% free, with free shipping by going to our link, blueapron.com slash VOW. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so do not wait. That's blueapron.com slash VOW, a better way to cook. All right, you ready to get into this uh, G1 Climax here? I am ready. All right. So, we're gonna, of course, uh, if people don't know, uh, G1 Climax kicks off July 17th, so we got a little bit while to go there. Uh, if you want, last week we talked a little bit more about the G1 specials, uh, the, the ones in America, so we did a little bit more of a breakdown of that. I think by next week we'll try to do a little bit more of that as well, kind of do uh, a, a little bit more of a primer. Uh, but for now, we're just talking participants because at um, earlier this week at the Kazuna Road 2017 show, they announced participants. We'll get, I believe, the 26. We're going to get the blocks, which are going to be huge to see where everybody kind of lines up. But for right now, we just have a giant list of participants. And, Joe, I'm pretty pumped about this uh, this list, particularly a few names that kind of jumped out at me. But uh, let's let's go one by one here real quick. I kind of want to just uh, alphabetical 
I'm going to go. Uh, we don't necessarily have to say who we think, you know, what percent chance they have to win or whatever because we don't own the blocks or whatever. Just want to get your thoughts on each guy, um, your anticipation level, uh, what you're kind of looking forward to from this guy in each uh, of every guy that we sort of mentioned here for the G1 Climax. So I'll start with the guy who's been in the, the Climax quite a few times here. Uh, Bad Luck Fale making his uh, another appearance in the tournament. What do you what do you think about Bad Luck Fale this year? I think um, he'll have two or three matches where uh, they're excellent matches, but it has to be against the right opponents. It all depends who he has in his block. I will have full confidence in him if he's in the same block as an Okada or a Tanahashi, people who he has proven to have good matches with before. And uh, I think he has the potential to have a few uh, of the worst matches in the tournament as well. Yeah, I think uh, my, my big takeaway from Bad Luck Folly is just that um – and I know this from running the Pick'em Contest, which absolutely we're doing 100% this year again, so keep your eye out for that, is that people always grossly underestimate how many points he's going to get. Like this, yeah. I'm telling you right now, pro tip, don't give him five, five or, you know, don't give him four points. Don't give him six points, double digits. Bad Luck Folly is probably yeah. going to get double digit points because he is a monster in that company, in that universe. Yeah. He is a monster. He's going to beat a Tanahashi. He's going to beat yeah. an Okada. He's going to beat an Omega. That, those type of things just kind of happen every single year with Bad Luck Folly. So I'm telling you right now, don't give him four points. Don't give him two points. Don't get, ten minimum for Bad Luck Folly because he is always, every single year, grossly underestimated for how many points he's going to accumulate. Yeah, so, he beats people you don't think he's going to beat. Right, and it's going to happen this year again. Like, <laughs> so just, yeah. just forewarning, definitely want to do that. So I move on now to Evil. Wilson Grabber and I believe uh, muscle here. Evil, this will be his second appearance. He was in last year's tournament. That was his first. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on Evil in this year's tournament? Yeah, this is a guy where uh, no matter who he's in there with, uh, it, 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 it has a chance to be one of the uh, uh, more underrated matches of the night. I, I like him as a worker, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what block he's in. Uh, if he's in the loaded block, I think he has a chance to be one of the uh, big surprises of the tournament. There's always one block that's a little more stacked than the other. So if you're one of these guys like Evil, who's sort of a, uh, a mid-card guy, you know, you kind of hope that you're that you end up in that stacked block where you can have the uh, matches against a lot of big guns. So uh, I think that's going to go a long way in determining what kind of tournament he has. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the way I, I, I'm kind of taking evil right now is that it can go real good or real bad. Like if he's in a really kind of dud block or whatever, if they really stack one of the blocks and, and have one of them be kind of a dud, uh, evil might not have the greatest output just because, you know, he's, he's a guy that usually needs another guy on the other side to be uh, to, to, to truly have a good match. You know, he, he's not a guy that's going to absolutely 100% carry somebody that's not good. He needs kind of an equal or, or, or someone that he's better with, and then he'll do good stuff. Um, what's going to be interesting, though, is whether he – his points. Like, is he going to be a guy that's going to lose a lot? Because I don't think so. Uh, but he's a guy that's probably going to pick up some surprise wins. But when we look at this, and we're going to go over more of the, 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 the participants, there's not a whole lot of losses coming through for a lot of these guys. So I do wonder who's going to be these people that that take falls. And he might be a guy that I don't think he's going to compete for a block, and there's no way that he's ever going to be in the mix. But I, I kind of predict him as a guy with maybe eight or ten points, you know, right in the middle there. Uh, he had eight points last year. That might be exactly where he ends up this year as well. What, what are your thoughts on, on point-wise where he probably ends up? Ah, probably about 500. Did you know evil is live spelled backwards? <laughs> Did you know that uh, relic relic is killer spelled backwards? Oh, my God. <laughs> if, if you spell relic wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you spell, how pro wrestling spells. Whatever, whatever Jeremy Borash tells me, I assume to be true. So. <laughs> Why would that man lie? Speaking of Jeremy Borash, if people didn't listen, uh, on this very podcast feed, Monday, your kidney talked to you about Jeremy Borash. But 15 years of TNA, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit as well. That was a lot so, of fun. Yeah, it was really cool. That was that was a good point. There was uh, a run-in by Grado. 
Yeah, how often do you get a great old run-in on a podcast on this network? It was pretty cool. That was, yeah. uh, but Garrett can pull that because he's Mr. TNA. Yeah. I had no fucking idea what Grado said, but he did run in. <laughs> I never know what Grado says. I find him funny, but I have no fucking clue what he ever says. Not but. a clue what he said. I just kind of nod and laugh. And couldn't like, decipher anything, but um, <laughs> he did He did do a run-in, so that was, that was a fun funny. spot. You know, Garrett's got friends in high places. Don't let him fool you. Oh, that dude's sources blow ours out of the water for yeah. particular, you know, particular. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah. But no, he's got, he's got great connections there. He's, he's, he's a big swinger. Don't let him uh, tell you anything else. All right. So we're going to move on to Hiroki Goto here. So uh, kind of shocked the world last year by making it to the finals. Would, any repeat from Hiroki Goto here? Or do you think he kind of falls to the middle of the pack this year? Hiroki Goto uh, is a guy who's always a threat um, to go very far in this thing. And he's also a guy who I love watching in this tournament because I think he's capable of having an incredible match every night. I just love the way the guy wrestles. He's uh, He wrestles exactly how I want someone to wrestle. Um, he's one of my favorite wrestlers currently active, uh, and he's climbing up my list of favorite wrestlers of all time. I, I love I love me some Hiroki Goto, and um, I love his offense. I think he has some of the nastiest-looking offense in really the history of wrestling. I really believe that. And uh, it's creative, it's innovative, and it's nasty-looking. And um, as always, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table in the G1. Yeah, he's the thing that I'm always going to remember with Hiroki Goto, and that's something that happens every single year as well, is that people don't – he's got matchups and things look good on paper or whatever, but people don't really care. They're like, ah, yeah, Hiroki Goto, whatever. You know, they'll, they'll skip matches. There'll be a Goto-Omega match, and people will just be like, ah, yeah. And it's like, they just had a match last year that was incredible. Like, people always underrate Hiroki Goto around this time of the year and just don't really think there'll be a Goto-Ishi match, and people will go, yeah, whatever. You know, but, I mean, like, dude, that match is going to kill it. Oh, God, that, he, he kills it with guys like that. Right, and that's what I mean. Like, every single year, it's like, ah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then the night's over, and people are like, Oh, dude, Hiroki Goto killed it. And, and when it's all said and done, after every single tournament, it's always like he's one of the guys in the running for the MVP. And that's going to happen this year as well. There's going to be matchups where people are just going to you know forget about it, not think it's a big deal, and then Goto's going to go out there and absolutely kill it. So I don't know if he's going to – I don't think he's going to make the finals this year, but you never know with him. He's a guy that they can always – he's a reliable, solid hand in this tournament. He's a guy that they can always use to surprise. I don't know. They're not going to follow that up. I doubt he's going to make it to the finals again. But but don't be surprised if he's in the mix until like the last few days. Like he's a guy that can always yeah. – because a loss to him – isn't that big of a deal? We're exactly. like, like if you have an Omega and he makes a big loss, that feels kind of like, ah, that feels like it kind of sucks. You can have Goto lose a big match and it's just the Hiroki Goto experience. It's like, ah, damn it. Like Goto is a Booker's best friend because yeah. he can eat any loss and you lose nothing. And the other thing with Goto is you're never burning a money match with Goto because he can wrestle anyone and you're not losing anything. You're yeah. not losing anything for the future. He's just a solid upper mid Carter, which is why putting him in the finals last year with Omega was a stroke of fucking booking brilliance because you weren't burning a money Omega match. Cause it was just Goto, you know, he was a beatable guy in that final for Omega and you weren't burning anything for down the line. So uh, he's a booker's best friend. I think he's grossly underrated. I will put up Hiroki Goto's 10 best matches against just about anyone, unless you're talking wow. about nice. super upper tier guys. Uh, he, I, I mean, really, when you look at it, I mean, the, the yeah. matches he's had against your Shibatas and your Ishis and people like that, I mean, they're just great, great matches, you know? And um, I, I'm surprised more people aren't huge Hiroki Goto fans because I think he works a style that almost anyone can appreciate, you know? If, if you don't like because you think Okada works light or whatever, Goto does not work light. If no. you think that, like, he's kind of a throwback in that regard, you know? He's a throwback to the old strong style way. And I, I don't, I really... I think he's grossly underrated, and it surprises me 
that he's that he that people don't love him more that people aren't all in on him the way that I am. I, I think the guy's great. He's a guy that, that strikes me as like in 10 years or whatever, people are going to appreciate him a little bit more like in 10, 15 years or when he retires or whatever, people are going to go back and be like, man, nobody talked about this guy at the time, man, this guy killed it. You know, like one of those dudes, I feel like he's really going to emerge a, a, as that kind of guy uh, after he retires. But in the moment, I don't know, for whatever reason, yeah, people just aren't, uh, aren't as invested in him. And I, I'm not quite sure why, but uh, great theme music. The, awesome theme music that fits him to a T. You know, horrible entrance video though. Horrible, horrible entrance video. video. The worst <laughs> entrance. The entrance video buries him before he even gets in the ring. Right. But he's, you know, he's got that. That music just it, it suits him. I love his gear. I think he looks good. I don't know, man. I'm a big Goto guy. Did you ever uh, watch that video? I forgot uh, where it was, but there was like a video of some guy making like he, he was an orchestra teacher in a high school, and he had his like kids play that theme. So it's like a full orchestra playing that theme. Like I oh, guess I just look it up. That. Yeah, I, th- I think if you look up Hiroki Goto uh, theme orchestra right, or whatever, right. it's it's fucking awesome. It's like so good. And now I wish every time he came out, there was like a full orchestra playing him into the arena because it just it's a song that works perfect for that. Like the big drums and stuff. It's just yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. an awesome song. So I move on to Hiroshi Tanahashi. This will be the sixteenth straight appearance for Tanahashi in the tournament. Uh, former two time winner as well. Um, what do you think? So I, I mean, this is a guy who won it two years ago, two thousand fifteen. Is there any chance Tanahashi does well here? I mean, he just won the uh, the Intercontinental title, so I feel like he's kind of a guy that's going to be, you know, he'll be in the mix probably to the late, but I feel like he's going to fall back and, and let some other guys do uh, do work in this tournament. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he can't lose too many matches, so he's going to have, you know, 12 points or somewhere in that range for sure, minimum. And then, uh, you know, it, he'll have a few select losses to set up the rest of his year in terms of uh, IC title defenses, so he should have a strong tournament. And I will believe that Tanahashi is not going to have killer matches in a G1 when he finally doesn't have killer matches in a G1. Uh, you know, he has this quote-unquote bicep injury or whatever. Look, I'm not denying that he's hurt, but don't we play this same song and dance every year with a different body part with this guy, whether it's his neck or it's back or his arm or his shoulder or whatever. And then he, and everyone's like, oh, he's going to have a terrible G1. The guy can barely, you don't understand the pain he's in. And then he goes out there and has six four-star matches in the G1 and fucking kills it. And I expect the same, whether he's really hurt or not really hurt. The thing about him is I, I kind of think, look, I kind of think he's the guy where I don't really deny that any of these injuries were, were, were real, but I do deny the severity of them because I do think he's an old school worker in that sense. That uh, that he would exaggerate his injuries uh, for effect. It just seems odd to me that he always gets hurt this time of year, and then builds his matches around those injuries. Isn't it a little fishy? Yeah, April to you? is the worst month. April is just the most unlucky month for Roshi Tanahashi. He just always gets hurt in April, and by August he's killing it and doing high five flows out to the side yeah, of the ring. And you know. I mean, so whether he's hurt or not, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, he's he's going to go out there and have a killer tournament. Until proven otherwise, and and you're absolutely right about the old school worker thing because I, I, one of the funny things is after that match with Naito, hearing people go, "Oh my god, it just pained me how much you know Tanahashi had to use his bicep to get to work over Naito or whatever." And and you can see like he a lot of times he'll throw a clothesline with it or you know what I mean like and he'll he'll sell it and people are buying it and going, "Oh my god!" Like I don't doubt that his bicep hurt, but I mean the dude's out there with the sleeve and he, he's he's using his his arm a lot, like making sure that every time he uses it, it's a big deal, and people are like, "Oh my god, that's got to kill him or." Oh my god, he's going through so much pain to try to gut through it and, and stuff. And it's like, nice wrestlers, the wrestlers, he's a worker. Don't forget <laughs> that, okay? And this is why he's one of the best ever, okay? This is why because right. he does shit like this. The guy's brilliant. He's got a brilliant wrestling mind. Don't forget that. 
very impressed by his book and some of the things he said. And, uh, you know, this is the, he's kind of old school in thought in that way. So um, it's a deep thinker. Definitely. Like and, and that's like we can never deny that that dude just thinks about wrestling a lot. And yeah. that's, you know, that we, we take it for granted a little bit when there are those thinkers, in, in the, especially today. We kind of assume that everybody just kind of does whatever and, and, and does it to get over and to get the fan. But there's there's some deep thinkers, in, and, and a lot of them are in New Japan. So uh, we'll move on now to Juice Robinson making his G1 Climax debut. We talk about this all the time, but, man, this is the all-time bet-on-yourself story here. Juice Robinson leaves NXT, goes into the dojo, Works his way up to the Young Lions system, and yeah, he's going to eat a lot of pinfalls here. He's probably going to end with two or four points or whatever, but man, just getting into the door, just getting into a G1 has got to be an incredible moment for Juice. He's excited. He's tweeting about it. People are excited. They should be. Um, he's had some real low-key... I talk about him every week, so I'm not going to do it again, but last year he had a bunch of low-key, excellent singles matches, so I know he can go um, in, in a singles environment, and he will here. He's going to have some matches... Uh, that are right. Look, I think he's gonna have an excellent match with Zack Saber Jr. in Long Beach too. So, um, really looking forward to seeing Juice. This is one of the uh, this is one of the guys I'm looking forward to most. I want to see him. You know, it's always exciting to see a young wrestler who's excited and wants to be there and is excited about an opportunity to get that opportunity because you know he's gonna go out there and bust his ass and 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 try his best to have the best matches possible as he continues his slow elevation up the card. Yeah, it's just just awesome, and 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 it's there's a big deal. I mean, regardless of how he finishes or whatever, just getting in the door and just having that first moment is so huge. I mean, you can look at a guy like Michael Elgin that changed his career. And I don't know, I'm not saying that this is going to change Juice Robinson's career, but we, you know, the Michael Elgin thing, and we'll talk about it when he comes in when we talk about him in, in this tournament. He was a guy that people laughed at when he was in the tournament. Remember, remember oh, the yeah. cachet that Michael? Elgin, I mean, Michael Elgin was a joke in 2015. People were groaning, "Oh my God, what a." What a, oh, this guy used to be good. Now he sucks. Now he's this. And like two years later, that dude is, is, is running successful indie. He's one of the best guys in American wrestling or whatever. He's, he's, they love him in Japan. He gets booked. I mean, that dude transformed his career through one G1 climax. That G1 changed his life. Yeah. It did. That tournament. He was done. He was life. dead in the water. I mean, that was a guy who was contemplating getting out of the business. Yeah. And, and made references to, I'm, I'm done. This is stupid. Yeah. I'm out of here. Like, this is dumb. I'm, I'm done, dude. And, and he was done. And- and his first match was canceled because Nakamura missed it due to injury, remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, so he didn't do anything but wrestle tags on, like, the first three shows. And he was impressive in the tags. And then he still went out there and had a killer tournament. And that tournament changed his life. So I don't know if it's going to do the same for Juice, but, hey, stranger things have happened. Just getting in the door is a, is a big thing here. All right, we'll move on to Kazuchika Okada. So uh, not much more to be said about Okada, but I will ask you, in this tournament, is there a chance that he joins I looked this up earlier. That's why I'm doing it. Keiji Muto and Kensuke Sasaki is the only champions to win the G1. Any chance he wins the G1 as champion? Well, I mean, he's not going to be champion. So it's it's if he wins it, you know, because Cody's going to be champion. <laughs> um, Are you serious? Are you laying that on the line? I don't know. Uh, Perocast seems to think Cody's going to be champion. Yeah, I, I don't. It. I, I don't. Colin believes that to be the case. I Listen, we talked about it already. I don't think it's impossible. Um, if I had to bet money on it, I'd bet on Okada, but it wouldn't shock me if Cody won. Um, I think the layout of this G1 basically told me that he's not winning. Some people think the exact opposite, but I think that there's no way they let this tournament go without their champion being represented. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, I, you know, intellectually I agree, um, but there's just a part of me that thinks it's a possibility that he, I, I don't think it's impossible that he wins. Maybe I'm just scared. No, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong because I kind of have that same nervousness, <laughs> you know, when I talk about it, my, like, I tense up and I'm just like, ah, there's, because there's that still that, that little tinge of like, ah, I don't 
I think it'd be a horrible mistake. You know, that's why I'm. It, it scares me a little. I think it would be a horrible mistake for a promotion that has a ton of momentum and is doing very well. Um, but yeah, Okada more than likely will enter this as champion, and no, I don't think he'll win it. Wouldn't make any sense. Um, so you know, he'll be in the mix, obviously, and uh, and score a ton of points. But um, you know, I just hope he loses a match or two to someone who never gets a title shot, so people whine about it. That's become one of my favorite things. <laughs> like a year. champion losing in G1 and then a guy never getting the title shot. Right, right. And people whining about it because they think like that's some kind of rule, which it isn't. Where's, where's Toriyano's title shot? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Why didn't, he get yeah. Yeah. Why didn't why doesn't Yoshihashi get his title shot? Yeah, that's uh, right. You do enjoy that. All right, so we'll move on now. Kenny Omega. Obviously won last year's tournament, Joe. Any chance that Kenny Omega repeats as champion this year? Well, sure. He's a threat to win it. I don't think he will. Um, I believe that there are other plans for Kenny Omega, uh, both in terms of um, – I just think there's other plans for Kenny Omega. And I think that um, he's probably on a direction where he faces Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. So um, at least that's what I would do. Oh, I mean, spoiled the big. We haven't gotten to the Ks yet, but yeah, you, you might as well do that because, yeah, Kota I mean, Ibushi if they're going to do yeah. – look – if they're going to do Naito Okada, which is the match they've obviously been saving and building to for this year's Wrestle Kingdom, I'm look. I'm on the record. I would I would switch course and do Okada Omega three. I think Okada Omega three is a hotter match than Okada Naito for the Dome. I do, based on the first two. Um, but New Japan doesn't do Gato does not do things that way. He he. We've talked about this. He picks a plan and he sticks to it. And I think Okada Naito will do very well. Don't get me wrong. I just think that Okada uh, Omega is very clearly the hotter match. Um, but I think they'll stick with the Naito plan. I think he'll win this tournament. And I think that that leaves uh, Omega uh, the next best match for him, um, I think, would be a match with Kota Ibushi. I mean, that would, you know, the Intercontinental match will be probably billed as the semi main event. But as hot as Kenny Omega is, a Kenny Omega Kota Ibushi match, if built properly, is realistically will be the second biggest match on the show. Sure, and it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna draw a lot of the people in too. Oh, absolutely, I mean, that will that. help I mean, draw. It's... Absolutely, I yeah. mean, that match on its own, I think, could put a lot of people in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, that could main event uh, properly. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it, you know, it, it, but but you know, so and then whatever you want to do with Tanahashi at that point, I don't know where that leaves him or against who. Whether you push someone to the moon or if we're forgetting someone obvious, um, but yeah, so you you throw Tanahashi a Tanahashi big match in the mix. So uh, yeah, and and it, I'm just curious where Shibata would have fit in and everything. But I guess that's a topic for another day. Yeah, and we, we got to unfortunately kind of plan without him for right now, which is always uh, always an issue. <laughs> it's you know when you got these because we know that Gato books out you know years in advance or whatever, and I'm sure Shibata was was highlighted in a lot of that. So yeah, it'll be. Oh yeah, there's there's no question. Yeah, there was a plan for Shibata through Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm very oh, curious what it is. 100. Yeah, and and I would love to you know you know I would love to see the Gato Book of Secrets someday on uh, your. Uh, uh, similar to what Gabe the did. K-Fan commentaries. Yeah, yeah but you're never going to. But I would love to know what that plan was because it was probably awesome. Yeah, and you wonder too if you just give somebody else that spot or if you think that, no, 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 I haven't you know built that guy up so I can't just give him Shabbat. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can maybe do it for one or two matches or whatever, but that entire plan can't just be, you know, ported over to a, a Michael Elgin. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. can't say, all right, Michael Elgin is now Shabbat for the next that's year. Not work. Like, you, you know, you can't do that. So that's uh, that's interesting. So I guess we'll jump ahead here because he's the next guy on the list. It's Kota Ibushi. I think this is the surprise 
uh, entrant in this G1. People were kind of wondering if there was going to be any freelancers, any outsiders. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot, but there was Kotobuchi, who, you know, obviously, Tiger Mask W, so he's he's there, but there has always been this weird of, hey, when are you going to start doing something with Kotobuchi? Does Kotobuchi want to do anything? Like, uh, does he content just being Tiger Mask W? And uh, at least for the time being, he uh, is coming back as Kotobuchi. Got a huge pop on the Kazuna Road show. They mentioned him. The crowd just went absolutely ape shit for him. They know he's Tiger Mask W, but they know that when he's Kotobushi, shit's happening. And uh, it didn't take long until Kenny Omega immediately tweeted out, you know, hey, you've been gone for a while, but uh, and things have changed around here. So there's a clear line of, of those two. We've seen references here and there. There was Kenny Omega in the last Okada Omega match, put his finger up in the air when he was on the top rope, just like Tiger Mask W does. We know these two dudes are like the ultra thinkers of, of all time. They've made references to each other over the last few years. This is happening I don't know if it happens in this G1. I don't know if they face off. I don't know if they face off in the finals. Like, I, I don't know what crazy scenario, but we're, we're at some point in the next few months, we're getting Coda and Kenny. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think they'll be in the same block. I hope they're not in the same That'd block. That'd be a total waste. I really, really, really hope they're not. That yeah, would just be need- an absolute waste. Make us wait. For, make us salivate for this match, please. They, they need to be in opposite blocks. And Omega needs to not be in Naito's block either because that's the other match that they're obviously, you know, they're keeping sure. those two guys yeah, yeah. apart too. So that means Naito and Abushi will probably be in the same block. So you'll get a Naito Abushi match, which will be a lot of fun. Abushi is another guy who's a Booker's best friend because again, he can go like five and five, right? Like it doesn't matter um, what he does. And people might be annoyed if he doesn't have a good record, but he's not a guy I think that has to have a good record. I think Kota Abushi just has to go out there and have good matches, and because I think um, his long-term direction isn't the top of the cards or anything like that, or challenging for titles, I think his long-term direction is a singles match with Kenny Omega at the uh, at probably at Wrestle Kingdom. So it really doesn't matter what he does in this tournament. I think he's just there to help draw crowds. Uh, he'll wrestle a lot of semi-main events. He'll wrestle some main events and semi-main events in his block, whatever block he's in. He might headline some of the smaller buildings and. Um, he might headline some of the bigger buildings, honestly, depending what block he's in. I mean, you do yeah. a Kota Ibushi Kazuchika Okada match, that's a headline match. You know, for whatever uh, building you're going to run, I could headline any building on the G1 tour, for example, or Ibushi Tanahashi, any of those guys. Go right down the list. Yeah, no, it's 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 going to be fun to see him uh, regardless uh, in this tournament because you know he's just going to deliver and 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 that's one of the constants too. And I wonder if it comes back like when when he was active in the G1s, obviously you know 14 or not 14, he missed 14, but 13 and, and 15. Um, the concept was like over. I mean, he was always getting 14 points and, and he was never that he would get like eight points or whatever. And everybody would just lose their shit. Cause he lost a bunch of matches or whatever. And, and now I wonder if that's going to carry over if people kind of know the score and know how, uh, particularly this time what Kodobushi is coming in as, but yeah, I mean, all eyes will of course be on the, the block announcements and seeing if he's with Kenny Omega, whether on the block or opposite sides. Is there any chance in, in, in any universe that those two guys meet in the finals? Would you do that? Lot. It'd be a lot of fun. I wouldn't burn that match on that. I don't know. I, I would save it for the Dome. I really would, mm-hmm. especially if Naito's winning the tournament. Yeah, I would do that too because, I mean, going to Tokyo and, and advertising that match, I mean, we know that both those guys draw in Tokyo. We've, we've mentioned it time and time again on the show. That's one of the big reasons why Kenny Omega is a star here. It's a big reason for why Kotobushi was brought in as well. Like, those dudes draw in Tokyo. Tokyo loves those guys, and you put them on that as, as the – even if it's not the semi-main, like you said, even if it's the third match in the top or whatever, that's a match. You put that on the poster, you are going to sell a bunch of extra tickets. And and, yes. and and let's be honest. I mean, that that you could probably sell out the G1 without this match. If you want to really add another, you know, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, you know, it's Tokyo Dome, you, you book that match. You know what I mean? Like It's it's the kind of thing where you got to remember, too, you look at this year's Wrestle Kingdom, they really promoted four matches. Four matches, not just two matches. They promoted four matches as top matches all the way down to that junior match with Hiromu and Kushida. So 
it's it's an event now where you need not just a good main event and a good semi-main event, but three or four solid matches that they use now uh, to help sell tickets to this thing. So, um, yeah, but I wouldn't. The thing about the G1 final is it's going to sell out regardless. Why do you burn a match like that? Which exactly. Was a, right, right, which right. was another reason why it was smart to put Goto in the final last year. There were a, that was just brilliant for Goto in that final from all angles, uh, because you didn't need. It's gonna. It doesn't matter. People are gonna buy those tickets before they know what the final is anyway, and it's gonna be a. It's one of their mega events, so you don't need to burn off uh, a big time drawing match in the G1 final. Yeah, especially in Omega Bushi, which you know, like that—that's a draw. Like that is a match that yeah. we can discernibly, a hundred percent say with, with with fact that that is a draw. That's a match you're that wasting draw it. people. And yeah, you're wasting exactly. it on a show. It's going to sell it anyway. I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, Michael Elgin, we'll move on to him now. We talked a little bit about him. That's a guy who, of course, completely changed his career around with the G One in 2015. Uh, he's back now. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on on, on Elgin in the G One? This is a year where I, I wonder if he's if he might lose a little bit more than, than well, usual. Elgin right now is kind of a gatekeeper and that's fine. Um, that may have been his ceiling anyway uh, in this company. You got to remember he's coming up on the end of his two year deal. Yeah. So there could be, you know, maybe they're just, uh, you know, maybe the arrows pointing down for him until they figure out what he's going to do. Uh, he's a guy who could leave. He's a guy who could sign with WWE, you know, and um, if he resigns, maybe they'll heat him back up. But, this is a guy coming up on the final six months or whatever of his contract. So um, he's a guy though, who, where, where people beat him, it still means something, you know, it wasn't a mistake that he was booked with Cody uh, to be Cody's, you know, big scalp before Cody moved on to challenging Okada. So, um, you know, he'll have good matches and he'll probably lose to all the people he should lose to. Yeah. What do you think of points? Cause I think last year he was at 10. Do you see him doing that again? Or eight, eight, to, eight to 10 range. Yeah. Eight to 10 range. Yeah. The guy where if he goes like um, you know if he's like one under five hundred it wouldn't blow it wouldn't shock me you know um, but just because of the situation he's in he's kind of spinning his wheels I don't really know what they're you know the direction they're going with him and again his contract's coming up so who knows yeah I could see him being a guy that jumps out to like a, a, a big lead and then you know sort of just moves to the pack then the last one of those yeah. and we see that every year with yeah. where the guy goes three and zero oh, and it's like oh boy Michael Elgin's like way ahead in the front and then you know by the end he's yeah at eight or ten or whatever so yeah, uh, yeah that, that's kind of where I see him yeah exactly <laughs> same old thing where it's like Shelton after you know four nights was you know, at the top of his block like nobody was near him nobody was in four points of him and then by the end he was just you know second like yeah. to last or whatever so kind of falls up well now we move on to Minoru Suzuki he is back after his last appearance in 2014 he's back from his Noah Exodus. And, uh, yeah, he's back in the G1. What are your thoughts on, on Minoru Suzuki coming back? Uh, you know, awesome. So He's going to fucking kill it. I mean, this know. guy is Mr. G1 for a few years there. Like, the absolute must-see guy in those G1s. So. I, yeah, I mean, because he could have great matches with anyone, and they're different kinds of matches, and that's what's fun about it. So, um, interested the block he ends up in. Um, really, that's the same for everyone, you know. Uh, but he's the kind of guy, though, you know, with, with his style – where if he ends up in the dusty block and, you know, he's in there. Get with, real dusty. <laughs> yeah, real Tamatanga dusty. and Yano and guys like that, you know. But if he's in the loaded block, you know, those guys are all going to have great matches with him. I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with Minoru now is, like, he's a guy that when when he's in there with a guy that's awesome, he's going to have an awesome match. When he's in there with a guy that sucks, he, you know, the match might suck. Like, I don't know if he's a guy that's that's 100% capable of, of – of, 
of delivering like amazing performances against the guy that's a dud or whatever. But if he's against the guy who's in there and and they're in a big spot or whatever, he's going to kill it. So that that's I'm really 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 looking forward to what block he's in because that could really determine where he sits with this tournament. Like I think points wise, he's probably going to be middle of the pack, eight to ten somewhere in there. That's that's about where he's at at this point in his career. But for me, I I, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about his wins. I don't care about his losses. I want to see who he's in the block with and what matchups he potentially has. Like, you know, yeah. him versus Goto. I mean, I'm in for that. Him versus, you know, there's a few guys that you look at and you go, yes, yes, I'm way into that. But then it could get really off the rails if if he's there with, like you said, Yano and and, and Tamatonga and, and like Fale. Yeah, like it could get real dusty depending on what, what, what he's in. And uh, yeah, it could get real annoying too with, they decide Suzuki Gun has to get involved, but they usually keep that away. They, G1, but. they generally won't do that kind of yeah. stuff. So, um, I think he's a great guy that you can beat in the final. That's a great guy to put in a final, you know, because you're really not giving away anything with him either. And, you know, he's, and, and that is a credible victory for If Naito beats him, that's a big deal, but it's oh, not yeah. necessarily a big deal in the sense that Minoru Suzuki's buried or, oh, what do you right. do with it now? It's just like a guy. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that scenario. That's pretty cool. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I guess we'll see from the block. But I, I like this idea of a Naito Suzuki. Because that's like a legit dude too. You beat Suzuki. That that's a big deal. Um, you know, especially when he's on his A game because he kind of fucks around. But and that's the thing that they do too. Similar to what they do with Omega, like Suzuki fucks around a lot. And like, but when he's in a big time match, he's not. He's all business. And that's that's something that's always kind of cool. They've been able to sort of tell that story with him. And he's fucking fifty. You know. And yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just an impressive guy. Uh, move on to Sonata here. So he's making a second appearance. He debuted last year. Uh, thoughts on Sonata? This this is a guy that no doubt will be overrated uh, in this year's uh, G1. The people have him at 12 and 14 points, and and, and that's not going to happen not this year. Not a chance. Not a, not chance. a chance at all. Next year, maybe we'll talk. But and there's no need year. for it either. I mean, no, this year he's 6'8", uh, somewhere in that range, and, and that it is what it is. But uh, it'll be funny to see. <laughs> I am starting waiting. I'm starting waiting for sure. But. I'm saying it again. He's beaten Tanahashi this year. They're going to be in the same block. And he's beating Tanahashi, and he's having an intercontinental ma- title match with Tanahashi at some point in the second half of the year. Um, so then the blocks will get announced, and they'll be in opposite blocks, and I'll look like a goof. But I, that's <laughs> that's my big thing for Sonata. All I need out of him is to be in the same block as Tanahashi and beat Tanahashi, and that's all I'm looking for. They had they had two very good matches last year, including one in the G1. So uh, they have good chemistry, and I think he's the next guy that Tanahashi ultimately gets over. Maybe uh, maybe he's the Wrestle Kingdom match? Is that a possibility? That's, listen, you know, it... it Start it, the, the year of Sonata. Yeah. Look at it this way. If you've got Okada Naito and Omega Ibushi already on the show, right, it takes a little pressure off of giving Tanahashi a, a, a super big-time opponent. Sure. You can yeah. do something like that and elevate a guy into that spot. And I really think long-term... Sonata, Sonata is the next guy that Tanahashi gets over as a star. So, absolutely, I think that's a possibility. I move on to a guy I know you're looking forward to, Satoshi Kojima. After he bowed out last year to give his spot to Tenzan, that didn't work out too well because Tenzan lost a lot. But Kojima didn't care; he was always in the corner, uh, jo- joyously rooting on his his fallen partner. But uh, what do you think about Kojima this year? Uh, does he does he bomb? Does he lose a lot, or is he a guy that that maybe can make a run? Nah, he'll have like six points. But the thing, I was terrified that he wouldn't be in it. And I was terrified that his final G1 was kind of stripped away with the whole Tenzon thing, um, which was a cute little storyline. But I'd rather see Kojima. I was always a bigger Kojima fan than a Tenzon fan. So even though Tenzon, uh, you know, in the annals of New Japan is probably the slightly bigger star because Kojima left, of course. Um, 
I did great things when he left, but Tenzon was the light is a lifer and, you know, is, is a new Japan legend. So, um, uh, you know, once you leave, you kind of lose that cachet a little bit. Right. So are there a lot of people that would prefer Tenzon over Kojima? I find that hard to believe. I think there are. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, yeah. And I don't think you'd have to look very hard. I mean, really? um, cause I don't, I don't hate that. Some people hate him and think he's garbage. I don't think he was, nah, but I, I mean, th- th- but I, I really, I mean, going back and watching a lot of the archives, like Tenzon yeah. basically stopped being good. Like a long time ago, yeah. Like and 2001 was about the end of, of the Tenzan run. And Kojima's been was good before that, and is still good. So yeah, Kojima is like 47 and still good, right? And the, the thing about it was, I always preferred Kojima, always. And and you know, Tenzan just Kojima was more my style. If you watch those two it's guys, a style wrestle, thing, yeah, it's a style yeah. thing. I'm sure. I'm sure Absolutely. there are a lot of people that really would way prefer Tenzan over over Kojima. So sure, but you look at Kojima, and for a guy like me, he ticks all of my boxes. You know, it's just it's the way he works and. You know, he shows fire. He shows heart. Just the style of work, the the way his matches are structured. I mean, you know, there's a reason he's one of my favorite wrestlers ever, and and, and has been for a long time. Um, you know, but um, yeah. So I just I just had a personal preference. But I mean, you, you know, in terms of just New Japan history, Tenzon's the bigger star. I mean, I you know, I think that's that's. I don't even think there's much. It's even very debatable, honestly. I mean. Oh, no, no doubt he is. Yeah, I mean, Kojima left. I mean, it's not, you know, Kojima's like a, only a notch below, but Tenzon's the bigger, you know, New Japan. Oh, in the annals of, yeah, well, when, when Kojima retires or that's his last G1, it's not going to be the same as when it's Tenzon and, and a guy we're going to talk about here in a little bit who, who's doing his last G1. That, that's going to be a memorable moment. I don't know that Kojima's going to get quite that. that no, Ten, Tenzon, has bit, more, Tenzon has more accolades than Kojima and all sorts of things. And, yeah. you know, Kojima's a guy who got to the top of the business in Japan. I mean, you know, he, you know, Held the two big titles at the same time. Uh, held the triple crown when he went to all Japan. When he got the fuck out of there to escape Anoki, uh, you know he's been IWGP Heavyweight Champion. He's done it all too. But but Tenzan has more New Japan accolades in that universe. Yeah, in that universe, Tenzan is is the bigger deal and the bigger legend. So yeah, yeah. Now, if you want to compare career versus career, all told, and not just New Japan, you might have a better argument. But, sure. But but yeah, but but yeah, I'm 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 just happy Kojima's back in a G1 and with him with, at his age. Everyone could be his last, and everyone could be the last where he's good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fairly confident he's going to be good. And but one of these years he's not going to be good. And you know, you know, nobody beats the hourglass. You know, and uh, you know, eventually age is going to catch up with him. So I, I just try to take advantage of every. That's why it was a little sad to me when he wasn't in it last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamatonga, we'll move on to him now. Uh, he's going to need a lot of pinfalls, I think. He had eight points last year, which I forgot that he had as many as he did. I feel like he's going to have a lot less. To, there's just too many other guys in this tournament. I feel like he's going to have to take some pinfalls and, and take some losses. But he is, you know, one half of the tag team champion. So I don't know if that maybe protects him and gives him a little bit more cachet than he might have had if he wasn't a champion. But uh, what do you think about Tamatonga this year? Will he bring back the terrible compression types? <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully he brings his gear. Not... God. You know, and he and he was he listen, he was uh he was cognizant of the fact everyone was making fun of him because he dropped him after like night four. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean he's a guy he can have some good matches. Um you know, I don't know. I I We lost he he disappointed us last year and we're we're hurt. We're for, we're former lovers that are now because we man, we championed this dude. Last yeah. year I remember us talking like, Oh, he's gonna fucking kill it. This guy's gonna be the best, and he just didn't give a he shit. He didn't kill it. He didn't kill it. Um, I love his tag team, and I, I love that they're smart enough not to put his brother in this thing. So um, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I got really no much else about <laughs> Tamatanga. Move on to Tetsuya Naito. He, so he's the early favorite to win this tournament. Uh, I would say he is the favorite. I think he's going to win. 
Um, I think you agree as well. Uh, just all signs point to him uh, winning this tournament, facing Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. I feel like that's kind of the, the direction they've been going. Uh, any chance that he doesn't win it, though, in, in your mind? I, I'm almost, I, mean, I don't know if I'm 100%, but I'm at like a 90% that Naito's winning this thing. I'm more positive on him winning this year than I've been on anyone in years past. Um, I think he will win it. Is it 100% lock? No, nah, I don't think I'd say that. Um, you know, maybe they do Omega again. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think I think he's going to win it. I think it's the logical. I think they're going to stick to the plan. Um, so, uh, from that sense, it's if, if it does play out that way, it's a little disappointing just because it's so predictable. Um, he's usually in the shitty block. You ever notice that? Yeah, he's always in the shitty block. Yeah, He's always in the shitty block. Um, you know, so, I, 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 you know, but he'll headline – most of the shows that he's on, especially if he's in the shitty block. Um, so, you know, it's, he's a guy I kind of forget about. And I, I don't know. I never really get super excited about him in the G1. For yeah. He's never got it really right. And that could be an issue with the block that he's in. Cause you know, half the time it's, it's he's always in the shitty imagine. block. Yeah. yeah. So that, that could be a possibility, but yeah, that's kind of what I was doing my write up about him. I, I was, you know, okay. Cause I'm doing, I'm doing a preview that will be up on the website by the time most of you guys listen to this and, and I'm right. I'm doing all the stuff for writing the guys. And then I get to Naito and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's in the G1. He won a few years ago. And, and that's kind of it. Like he's probably gonna win this year. Like I, he's not like a G1 guy to me. I don't know. I, there's something weird about that. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's just that, for whatever reason, I just don't, in my mind, I don't have these visions of like a mate. There was that one Shibata match I remember that was incredible, but otherwise, he just doesn't strike me as a guy that's like, oh, G1 season's here. I can't wait to see Naito. He's just not that guy. He doesn't seem to have that. Completely agree. I look forward when I when the blocks roll out. I'm like, oh, what blocks Okada in? What blocks Tanahashi in? What block is Shibata in? You know, what block is Ishii in? What block is is Omega in? I, and I'm never like, oh, I can't wait to see what block Naito wins. And I don't know why. I yeah, just it, he's it not. Could be, it could be a possibility. He's just always been in the shitty block, and maybe maybe this year's the time to change that. But yeah, I've, I've always kind of been that way with him. He's just kind of a, a guy in the G1, and then that's weird. I move on here to Togi Makabe. Any strong thoughts on Togi Makabe? In uh... how can I have any strong thoughts? About <laughs> what do you want me to say about Togi Makabe? Uh, I kind of wish like he wasn't in, and they just never mentioned anything, and then he just like I, I like Togi Makabe, but like I don't need to see him in the G one. I don't really care about Togi Makabe. I, I got nothing. Yeah, I, okay, yeah, I got really nothing. Either. He's a guy, you know. He's a guy in the G one. Togi Makabe, he'll scream and he'll say "fuck you" and yeah, and he'll you know the housewives will love him, and he'll have one or two matches that are pretty good, and then you won't remember anything else he does. Yeah, that's that's kind of the Togi Makabe experience these days. I do love his his, his love of, of sweets and and candy though. That's one thing I do love about Togi Makabe. Him and I are our soulmates in that respect. All right, move on to Tomohiro Ishii. So. Uh, another thing that happens every single year is people overrate Tomohiro Ishii. They think he's going to go to the finals. They think he's going to win the whole thing. He's not going to do that. He's probably not even going to be in the mix, but goddamn, is that guy not going to have like five or six awesome matches during this tournament? Yeah. He's going to work his ass off. He's going to have great matches. Um, I hope he's in the block with Goto. Um, I would love to see him uh, face Goto. When Shibata was healthy, those are three guys I always wanted in the same blocks together. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to most of him, hoping that he wrestles Goto. But I mean, he he'll have great matches with Tanahashi and Okada, and um, I don't think they'll have him in the same block as Omega. Um, but he'll have great matches with all those guys if he's in if he's in their block too. So. Elgin, Elgin, I'm looking forward to that. Oh match yeah, oh, yeah, just yeah barrel sure. chested. Just they had a match that, that in 2015 that was just incredible. Yeah, those two dudes know? just slapping their big barrel chests. <laughs> right. And it happened on one of the later shows when people were kind of winding down because everyone sure. gets you one fatigue after a while. 
Like, yeah, night 10, nobody gives a shit anymore. Exactly. <laughs> By night 10, you're not watching the whole show anymore. You're kind of like, eh, Togi Makabe, Bad Luck Fale. I'm sorry, but you're getting the skip, you know? But it's like, and, and you, sometimes you see entire shows and you're like, ugh, you know, if I don't work for, if you don't work for a website, you're like, eh, you know, I think I can skip this one. But yeah, so it happened on the back end and a lot of people didn't bother to watch, but they had an incredible match a couple years ago. So uh, yeah, look, it's Tomohiro Ishii. He's, I think he's one of the best, 10 best wrestlers in the world. I mean, so it's hard not to be excited uh, to see what block he ends up in. I didn't know you're excited to see what block he ends up in. Toro Yano. Yeah, I mean, I know people are going to say, oh, Yano's great. It's always different. His matches are, you know, you never know. And I, I'm tired of his shtick. I'm over it. Um, you know, I I hope his matches are all sub five minutes and gimmicky and all those sorts of things just to get a minute out of there. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I'm over Toro Yano. I, you know, it's not like he offends me. I don't hate him, but I'm over him. I, I really don't care. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. He's the kind of guy where I hope he like sprains an ankle every year right before the G1 and he has to be replaced because I'd rather see somebody else in there. And the way I wrote it about it and the way I've kind of talked about it as well with Toriano, and this, this goes on years now, is this is like, I, I don't want him in the tournament. I find him grading. I hate the whole thing, but I 100% understand why he's in the tournament every year. And I, I 100% understand why they like him. And, and people, I mean, he can lose to anybody. He can beat anybody. He's utterly meaningless. He is completely 100% meaningless in the yeah. grand scheme. Of, he can beat Omega. He can lose to Yoshihashi. And none of it matters. It never, ever, ever, ever matters. So you need to regulate the block a little bit. You have Yano with the surprise win over Okada. And, like, Okada doesn't lose anything by it. Yano doesn't gain anything by it. It's just utterly meaningless. So sometimes you need those guys, and it's also a night off for guys, too. You know, they can go in there, have a five-minute match with Yano, hit the back, and get the ice packs on, and and get ready for their next match or whatever. But at the same time, it fucking sucks because this match is always blown. So, yeah, you, you nailed it. He's a block regulator. Because you can do any finish with him at any time. He can beat anybody. He can beat anybody yep. and lose to anybody, and it never, ever, ever, ever matters. Yep. He can beat Okada, Omega, and Tanahashi in one tournament, and nobody would care. You know yep. what I mean? Like, Yeah, you don't have to worry about giving him a title shot at some point. Like, he, you could do anything with him. He's the guy. <laughs> he's a great guy to have in the block to balance out the points the way you want them. Because he can beat or, or lose to or, 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 or defeat anyone. You just wish that it was a guy who didn't have shitty matches that you could do that with, like, yeah. which is I, I get the argument, but uh, I, I, again, I understand why he's in. I just I hate it. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm kind of over it, but it's it's one of those things where you you, you kind of you know it's coming, and, and you, you're better off if you just don't get upset about it this year because you know why it's you, you know the score, you know what he's gonna do. Just let it happen. It's, it's, it's unfortunate here. All right, Yoshihashi is back. Yet again, he made his first appearance last year. He is back this year. Uh, I kind of forgot that Tony, Yo, Yoshihashi was even in the company uh, for a while there. What? He's going to lose a lot, right? Yeah, he's going to lose a lot. I think he's reached his ceiling. Um, his ceiling was becoming a guy who had enough cachet to be in a G1, becoming a guy who can get the occasional never title match. You know what I mean? Um, this is what he is. He's smack dab in his prime. And it is, uh, he'll, you know, he's, he'll be here at this level for a little while. And then, uh, you know, I think, I think we've reached his peak. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so too. I think he's kind of like Yudro was a few years ago. Remember when Yudro had yeah. enough cachet to be in the G1, yeah. enough cachet, you kind of give him a title shot if you wanted to, but there was never, I mean, that was it. That was the ceiling. It was never going to yeah. go higher, lower, or anything like that with him. And I think, unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at with Yoshihashi. Even though well, with Yudro, you see, with Yudro, it did go lower. They kind of downgraded him since that yeah point. yeah well i kind of feel like yoshihashi's been downgraded a lot in this last year uh so i don't know we'll, we'll see here i i 
he's I think going to eat a lot of pinfalls. You know, he's too. getting the spot. He gets the Ujiro spot now, though. You know, yeah. it's it's and it's be- he's better than Ujiro by a mile. Sure. So. Oh, so that'll work. Yeah. No, for sure. He's going to put up together better matches. But yeah, it's it's he always tries hard. I mean. I have no problem with that. Look, but he's probably gonna have four points. So <laughs> look, he's a lower mid card wrestler. What do you yeah. want? You know, he's a preliminary fucking wrestler. Yep. You know, trademark Jim Cornette. That's what he is, and that's fine. Uh, at least he's a hardworking uh, preliminary wrestler who goes out there and 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 always has the possibility of having a good match. Yeah. Unlike Yujiro, who's a preliminary wrestler who you're shocked if he has a good match. So yeah. it's it's a good trade. Our, down to our final two here, so uh, second to last, Yuji Nagata. This will be his 19th and final G1 appearance this year. So do you think there's going to be uh, a lot of the Tenzan stuff where he loses and, and, and looks like a, not, not looks like a fool, but looks old? Or do you think that they maybe have a little bit of a miracle run in him? Do you think people will predict the miracle run? Like, what do, you, what do you see for Yuji Nagata this year? Nagata of the old guys is the one I'm always, I, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, he never connected with me like Kojima did. I was never a Nagata guy. I never hated him. I never got super into him either. So I don't know. He's kind of he's kind of a guy where I'm never excited about his matches, and, and every now and then he'll deliver one, um, and and that's great. Actually, he had a really good one with Kojima a couple years ago mm-hmm. in the G1 that I really loved, uh, where Kojima played heel. So you know, Nagata will have one or two matches that I really really love, and the rest of the time I'm just like, eh. All right, roll your eyes into the back of your head. I get it. Um, I've seen this movie before, and you know, it, it, you know. So I don't know. I've never been a Nagata guy. I know that breaks Alan's heart because he's a Nagata yeah. guy. He's, he's but, but look, he's the Nagata guy. I'm the Kojima guy. It's okay. You know? you <laughs> argue, you'll argue for the next twenty years about it. I, mean, I won't even argue with him. You know, he could have his guy, and I got my guy. You know? <laughs> also, so, playful argument. Playful argument. You know? And Nagata again. You know, it's Nagata again in the in, in New Japan lore is a bigger star than Kojima. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I would easily so. Um, bigger star know. than Tenzan in, in New Japan universe lore. Nagata or Tenzan? Let me think about that. I would say yes, he is. But think about it a little bit. <sighs> that's that's. I don't know. I don't know. They're, close. they're very close. They're real close. They're 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 close. It's uh, Tenzan was around for more of the of of uh, was around for stronger eras. I want I want to say. When Nagata, Nagata really peaked at really the wrong fucking time. Oh God, yes, yeah. So that, <laughs> that's, that's, a, time, yeah. that's a that's a problem, you know. Um, I might go with Tenzon. Yeah, because you get more of the glory years. You get the you know ninety seven, ninety eight. He's he's around doing big things. Yeah, yeah before like, that, you know, he was around. Yeah, know? that's like, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, yeah. You know, it, it, so was Nagata, but I don't. I feel like Nagata just. No, Nagata's peak's like 01 to 04, which it's is the bad. wrong fucking time. Like, <laughs> yeah. His peak came at such the, the, the worst possible time, you know? And um, so I don't know. I, I might go with Tenza. I'm interested with the list. Hopefully people will post on the, the forum. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what people think. I don't know that I have a strong opinion about that, but uh, yeah, I almost kind of say Nagata, but you're, you're kind of right about the, the idea of when they peaked and, and how that might play into it a little bit. But um, my question before we move on to our last guy here, uh, do you see Nagata winning more than Tenzan won last year? Because Nagata's not as broken down as Tenzan was. Like there was there was that suspension of disbelief where people were like, "Oh, I, I hope Tenzan goes on a miracle run." And it's like it, the dude's like not good, I and mean, like he really can't though. He can't have good matches. It doesn't. I think look- we have to stop thinking that they're ever going to tell that story, right? Because well, if, they, they, if they were going to tell it with anybody, would it be Yuji Nagata this year? No, no, I don't think they're ever going to tell the story. I, they didn't do it with Tenzan. They didn't do it with Liger. If they didn't do it with Liger, that's a pretty good indication. They're never, yeah, because that I think could still fucking go, and they didn't do it. I think the idea in this company is when you're old, you can't hang anymore. Mm-hmm. And 
That's the that's the story they tell, and I, I you don't you're not getting the Rocky story here. I don't think you're getting it in this company. It's just not the way Gato books. Um, you know, and, and like you said, if they're not going to do it with Liger, they're not doing it anyway. So I, I don't think you're ever going to get that out of Nagata or Kojima or any of these guys. Um, not with the way it's currently structured. And and look, Nagata, Kojima, Tenzan over the last few years, they score like six points. You know, it's uh, every now and then they'll beat a guy that they shouldn't. And they'll beat each other, and they'll beat like the lower run guys. But that's it. And um, I'm not entirely sure that that's wrong, because you want to tell the story that these athletes in their prime are the guys to beat, you know. And um, you don't want to get hung up in the past. So, uh, no, I don't think they'll do that. You know, uh, that kind of story with Nagata. No. Yeah, which which is funny though, because a lot of people that would complain that you know they in America they they just push the old guys so much and the young guys don't and then in like Japan it's like I'll oh, push the old guys tell the story like you know what I mean like have them bl- yeah. blaze through everybody it's like maybe you know we want that story but maybe we don't like if it happened all the time and yeah. Tenzan won fourteen got fourteen points last year and Nagata blows through the tournament like. I think maybe there's maybe a chance for like one guy to have a little bit of a run, but you got to be very careful with it. And it's got to be the right guys that he beats. Like he can't just like blow through Okada and Omega and Naito and make them all look like idiots. Cause then it's like, well, geez, like, you know? Yeah. You know, and then what does that do to those guys? You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's people always want what they never have. And that's not just in wrestling. That's in life. (laughs) So, you know, the grass is always greener, you know, whatever, whatever corny phraseology you want to use, people tend to want what they don't have. So, um, you know, that's why when you do get that, you're like, ah, stop pushing the olds. And you're right, not exactly. getting it. You're like, why aren't you pushing the, these legends? It's just because it's not what you have. All right. So you know what we do have, though? We have Zach Sabre Jr. making his G1 debut. Joe, I know you're pretty pumped about this. What are your thoughts on Zach Sabre Jr. in the G1? I am just glad it's the G1 and Suzuki Gun presumably won't be getting involved in his matches because so I'm not happy. Good Zack Sabre matches in Japan. Yay. Yeah, that like aren't it. ruined by run-ins at the end. I don't like him in Suzuki gun. Um, I, it, it hasn't, you know, it's ruined both of the singles matches that he's had. Um, and I'm not happy about it. Um, I, I just want to see the man wrestle. I, um, not into the shenanigans. Um, I'm cranky about it. And I think that hopefully he's in the loaded block because it's all fresh matches for him. And I would love to see him mix it up with Okada and Tanahashi, and uh, and Omega, and all of these guys, and Ishii, and all of these guys. These are all fresh right. matches. For yeah, them. it's awesome. Yeah, that, that's so, actually we forgot to mention during the Kota Bushi one, but Ibushi's been gone for so long, and everything feels fresh with it. Like you can say the yeah. same thing with Suzuki too. There's been so much turnover in New Japan, which is it's hilarious given you know some of the comments. But you know over the last two years, like the roster is just nothing like it used to be, and there's so many new dudes that like you get these guys that make their debuts in the tournaments or guys that haven't been around for a few years, and it's just like. You can't, it's a never-ending list of fresh matchups between these guys. Yeah, and, and and matches that haven't happened in so long that they feel fresh. When you have a guy like Suzuki who hasn't been in a G1 in two or three years or whatever it is. Yeah. Same for Ibushi, and so, yeah, for sure. You know, Zach's, like, little... 100% fresh. I mean, that, that's what's incredible, too, is, like, any match that he has is going to feel just different than anything we've yeah, seen. Yeah, he hasn't wrestled any of these guys yet. I'm so pumped for him in this tournament. I cannot wait. And, and yeah, the matches aren't going to – but he's a guy that I think is going to go out there and just absolutely impress everybody in the world. And, and, and I can't wait to see what he does in this tournament. Great I mean, I, I don't like him in Suzuki Gun. Our friend Alan keeps telling me I'm going to look like a fool for saying that. Um, so I don't know what they have up their sleeve that Alan is privy to. If it's a, if it's a feud with Suzuki at some point in a split, that's awesome. But I wish they would just fucking get to it. Cause I can't take these Zack Sabre jr. Suzuki gun matches. 
they're doing nothing for me. Um, I wasn't happy with the pairing to begin with. Yeah, and and I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, Prick, you know, Zach Sabre Jr. is awesome. And I agree Prick Zach Sabre Jr. is awesome, but I don't think he's doing that in Suzuki Gun. He's just kind of like working his match and then they interfere and then he's kind of like kicks him. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. I, I love the like cocky-ass Zach so Sabre I. Jr. being an asshole, but he's not doing that with Suzuki Gun. And then, the, and then you know, the matches are just marred at the end. Right. And that's what kills it for me because I've enjoyed his work. Um, but the Goto match really annoyed me. Yeah, he's and, a guy that, that the best part about Zack Sabre Jr. is just when he gets you in a submission, you just have nothing to do. And you tap. You know what I mean? Like, that's the, the perfect Zach. He acts like a prick the entire match. He kicks you around. He plays with you a little bit. And then when he's ready to tap you out, he just locks you in something you can't get out of, and that's it. Like I'm not that, bothered that he's a heel at all. I'm bothered No, no, no. Heel is not a problem. The, the, the problem is that, yeah, guys come and interfere, and then that's how he – and that's that, you don't need that with Zack Sabre Jr. He's, yeah. He should rise above that. He's better than that, so – uh, and that's our G1 participants. So, of course, uh, next week we'll have the blocks, so we'll probably talk about that a little bit of the match. Are they announcing the blocks? Uh, 26. Yeah, the 26th uh, okay. during the intermission of that. Oh, Road, great. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. They are. So, yeah, we'll definitely have that for uh, next week. Uh, Joe, we uh, do not have a whole lot of time because we, despite the fact that we were not going three hours, we have gone near three hours. So um, a few little things going on that I do need to talk about real quick. Uh, this weekend we got ROH Best in the World 2017. Uh, ROH's pay-per-view going on Friday. Of course, the main event's the big story here. Christopher Daniels defending his title against Cody. Uh, percent chance that Cody walks out as champion. I'm at about 100 here. Oh, yeah. I mean, got to be at least 80%, right? I mean, um, I think he's going to win. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kushida is going to be there as well. He's defending his world TV title against Marty Skrull. Any uh, idea of a title change there? His The title win, Kushida's title win did air on ROH TV. Um, I saw some of it. Um, so you can go find that if you want to, if you want to look for it. I thought Skrull had a good run as television champion, so uh, that should be a fun match, Kushida and Skrull. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it on <laughs> that card. There's not. Uh, oh, Search and Destroy versus the Rebellion, and the losing team must disband. So how upset will you be when Caprice Coleman, Kenny King, Rhett Titus, and Shane Taylor have to disband? I I don't know. I'd be more upset if uh, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, Jay White, and Jonathan Gresham had to disband. These yeah. two long-standing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's a semi-main event. I, it's not going to go on second to last. I can't imagine it goes on second. <laughs> I last. doubt it too. How about bringing in Ultimo Guerrero and putting him in a tag match against the <laughs> Kingdom? How about that? <laughs> What are you doing? J.R. Goldberg is so upset uh, in our in our Slack be. chats. He's just like, God damn it. Like, and like people bring up like, oh, well, they built it up in CML and Matt Taven was in CML. And his response was, Matt Taven fucking sucked in CML. I don't care. Like, yeah. Because Matt Taven fucking sucks. So, Yeah, I mean, I guess. I'm glad guess they used it to build up. But if and, the guy really, fucking what, sucks. Then... What continuity are they preserving? Do they think they're getting a, a 100,000 buys from fucking Mexico the Friday, City for the, the show? Friday CML viewers? Yeah, I don't Yeah, think. I mean, come on, you know. So, And he's teaming with Terrible, of all people, you know, <laughs> against the kingdom. And, and like, <laughs> I don't want to see that shit. Like, I would love to see Ultimo Guerrero against someone halfway decent on this show, you know? It's like, it really is a fucking waste. I, I have to agree with JR. It's a total yeah. fucking waste. Um, the Bucks defend against War Machine. Uh, put your money on the Bucks, Rich. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, they're walking as many titles as those guys can accumulate before those G1 specials. Uh, yeah, put your money on the Bucks on that one. You can read between the lines. Jay oh, Weath okay. versus Stylish Young. No interest. And it's, I just, I, I mean, is there a more ROH <laughs> 2017 match than Jay Lethal? I mean, God, Silas and you know, and Silas Young, I've enjoyed. And, and it's just lethal. He's spinning his wheels, and I don't know what's going on there. Rich, you ask if there's a more 
2017 ROH match. <laughs> then how, about Fra- yeah, how about say. Frankie Kazarian versus Hangman Page? Because <laughs> that gets you excited. Oh, God. Yeah, no. It doesn't? No. What if I tell you, Rich, that it's a strap match? Are you excited <laughs> now? Now I am, yes. I was making a bull rope match, then maybe. Oh, they just had a bull rope match, like two. Unbelievable. A strap match. <laughs> Fucking strap matches. Has anybody cared about a strap match in the last 25 years? Ugh. Like, yeah, honestly, probably. when's the last time someone went, oh, a strap match, this is going to be good. Like, you want to know who cares about strap matches in 2017? Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> oh, well, no, uh, no. Oh, he's dead. Uh, yeah, before he's in 2017. <laughs> now I sound like an asshole. I meant before, you know. Yeah. I'll tell you who cares about strap matches in 2017. People who tweet, imagine calling yourself Voices of Wrestling if <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Right. Those are the people that care about strap matches in 2017. Um, Bully Ray and the Briscoes against Dalton Castle and the Boys. Now, this is for the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team titles, but not only that, Rich, this is the boys in action, and I think this will be their coming out party, no pun intended whatsoever, because <laughs> I think it's already heavily implied that those three men are gay, okay? So yes. there's no coming out in that regard. Which is a great juxtaposition next to the Briscoes. Uh, so, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you can't, I don't think... Dal- party with I, Dan Mark on the other side of the ring. <laughs> Bully Ray, who I'm sure, I don't know, I, I don't know about Bully Ray, but I feel like he, you know, probably... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's. I yeah. Well, he wonders yeah, why there's not a straight awareness month or why there's not a straight pride month. I guarantee you. I have no idea possible. he's tweeted it, but I 100 percent guarantee you that at one point he said, "Why is there not a straight pride month?" Uh, or what month is straight pride month? Is usually the Twitter search him, and I bet he did. But <laughs> the point here is, I don't think the wrestling characters of Dalton Castle and the boys can come out in that regard. But it can be the coming out party for the boys. As re- I'm telling you, Rich, I've seen these guys wrestle. Right. They're underrated. And Definitely. I hope they get a chance to go here in a non-gimmicky environment and show people that. Um, and then we talked about the rest, Kushida and Skrull, the, uh, the two longtime factions of Search and Destroy and the Rebellion. Uh, one must break up and then the, uh, the uh, match. So, Cody, look, um, there's not a ton to sink your teeth into here. Kushida and Skrull should be good. Um, I have morbid interest in that uh, ROH World six-man tag team title match. And I think the Bucks and War Machine will be excellent. Other than that, and there's the novelty of Ultimo Guerrero, but he's in a terrible match. Other than that, you see <laughs> a terrible that's a terrible match, yeah. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yes, perfect. A terrible match. Thank you. Um, but other than that, do you see anything that that nope. uh, ruffles your feathers here? <laughs> I mean, there's a strat match, and that's always you always got to watch for you know strat match in 2017. You can't. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm. Uh, totally caught up on ROH television. Although I did see an excellent, excellent six-man match. Uh, the Chuck Taylor match. Did you see that with uh, Chuck I didn't, Taylor I and Rapunzel? Anything Chuck is, because Chuck Taylor is the greatest. So anything yeah, the awesome. long-awaited Chuck Taylor ROH debut teaming with Rapongi Vice against the Bucks and um, who the hell did they team with? <laughs> Obviously, left an indelible mark on your... <laughs> no, how come I not remember this? Because the match was awesome. Uh, it was like a four-star match. But the, but the idea was that, uh, you know... Trent and Rocky are still at odds. And right. Trent brought in his best friend to team, and yeah. Rocky was not happy about that. So, uh, but Chuck did excellent. You'll be happy to know. Oh, he always does. You should Chuck seek does. that match out. I should, yes. I, I should definitely watch that. Who the um, fuck did the Bucks team with? It obviously wasn't Omega. It was, uh, well, it might have been, was it Hangman Page? Maybe. I don't know. I didn't see it, so I, I don't remember. 
Um, Let's get a real quick, other, other stuff going on this weekend. You got Evolve 86 and 87. Uh, 86 uh, looks like a pretty big show on the 24th. That's uh, Saturday, I believe. Uh, main event is, is kind of the one everyone's going to be looking at. It's Zack Sabre Jr. versus Matt Riddle. This is being billed as as big as it gets. It's a non-title battle of the champions because Evolve uh, champion is Zack Sabre Jr. And the WWN champion is Matt Riddle. So I know you haven't been following too much Evolve, but uh, thoughts on champion versus champion this early into the the title run? I mean, obviously, it's not for the titles, but it is the two champions uh, battling. A little soon, right? Yeah, it is. A little soon. That's and uh, I'm also that. kind of of the mindset that these titles are the WWN Championship is pretty stupid. <laughs> I mean, now we're a few months into it. It's kind of it was I, a good idea on paper, yeah, I think, just, because I think here, here's the you know what the problem with it is. Well, you make your evolved championship look stupid. It makes your evolved. Not only that, the problem is no one gives a fuck about FIP or Style Battle or ACW or whatever other acronyms are going on that nobody watches or cares about. So. Having a roll-up champion of all those groups doesn't mean anything because there's no prestige involved with any of those other satellite promotions. Right, right. The only thing anybody cares about is Evolve because the other promotions are shit. So having a roll-up champion just doesn't make a ton of sense. Right, the Evolve it, championship should be the thing that everyone's going for. Exactly. That, that's the top. You, you work your way up to get to Evolve, and then you work your way up through Evolve to get to that championship. That's yeah. how I've always liked you it. You should be aspiring that, to get to Evolve from right, those, those exactly. garbage promotions mm-hmm. and then winning the Evolve title. And instead of now, it's just like, who's the focus on? Who's the – you know what I mean? And um, it, you at least should have kept these two men apart for, or these two titles apart at least for a longer period of time, and maybe build this up. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like it's too soon, and I don't know. It yeah, just I'm, I'm right with you on that. Um, special attraction match here. I'm just the other one I'm gonna talk about here. Timothy Thatcher returning to the promotion versus Austin Theory. So they're doing the the story where Thatcher's got to work his way back up the ladder. Um, are you invested in the Timothy Thatcher redemption story, Joe? Come on, are you serious? No, I'm not. Okay, of all eighty-seven, <laughs> I assume you're not. Is that correct? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, all right. I was correct in my assumption. So, uh, move on to Evolve eighty-seven happening the twenty-fifth. So it's happening Sunday. Uh, main event: Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee, and then the Evolve champion uh, Zach Saber Jr. defending against Jaka. Are you two big matches there? I guess have Trent Beretta in a special attraction match versus Austin. How's Keith Theory, Lee so. getting a title shot for anything when all he did was lose? Uh, Every match he was ever in in the company, basically. Yeah, he's getting well, he's getting the big WWN Championship match, so. Come on, Gabe. Come on, man. Get your shit together. I mean. <laughs> I, he's booking nine companies. Give the guy a break. All right. No, I, I know. It's, uh, yeah, there, there's a, it, we're in a weird period, too. And Sean Cito wrote that in a review a few, uh, a few weeks ago. I forgot which uh, Evolve it was. But we're in a very weird in-between period with Evolve right now. And they go through these periods all the time and, and, and Gabe kind of does, where it's just like yeah, it's just kind of floating around. There's just a bunch of guys facing each other and, and nothing's really there. There's not really a whole lot of stories being built. It's just kind of this this really weird transition period. And I hope they get out of it pretty quick because, yeah, it's, it's, it's made the shows less Less enthusiastic in a lot. Of I got to be fair. He he has won his last three evolved matches. Oh, there you go. Okay, so they built it up. He a beat bit. David Starr, and I actually watched that. I don't know why I forgot. He beat Dijak. Oh yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, and you were there for that. We're really on top of things here. And he mm-hmm. beat uh, Yehai. I didn't see that match. Okay, I didn't see that one either. So, um, but yeah, so he did. Yeah, he lost a bunch of matches when he first came in. He lost. Remember, he lost to Hero. Right, right. Uh, right. He lost to Ricochet and in Orlando. He lost to uh, Kyle O'Reilly in New York. I saw that match. Um, but then he, you know, he beat David Starr the next day. Okay, well, okay, all right. So. And then he beat, um, he beat Dijak and, and Fred Yehai. All right, so I apologize to Mr. Sapolsky. 
Keith Lee is in fact on a winning streak, I can buy the fact he's getting, especially beating Yehi in the third match there. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's an impressive win in that universe. So, uh, okay, yeah, all right, I got no problem with that. Yeah, again though, just the two championship matches. It's it's just it it just feels weird. It was I always thought it was a really good idea. I always thought Gabe was a little bit better at 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 building towards that one champion, and everybody wants that guy. Everybody wants that belt or whatever. Always been good at that. I I understand there's probably external pressures that maybe uh, he had to you know maybe do and maybe the the benefit of having that role on a style battle show or having him on FIP show or whatever. But I I don't know. I feel like you're going to get your 50 people at your FIP show regardless of Matt Riddle or not. But uh, anyway, that's that's the Evolve weekend, and that was ROH Best in the World. So if we didn't get you excited for those two shows, or those three shows, I don't know what will. But uh, we'll have previews and reviews up on the website as well, so you can uh, check those out uh, as well. Joe, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we uh, covered it all. I wanted to talk a little TNA. I don't know why, but I did. But uh, we don't have to do that because I was just uh, with the fifteenth year, uh, fifteen year anniversary, of course, happening uh, earlier this week. I just wanted to because uh, we never talked about our entry point into TNA and how we got into it. And, and you know, we always talk about our entry point into WWE and wrestling or whatever. But TNA has been around fifteen years now, so we kind of have to talk about that. So I, I, I was really I, I can do it pretty quickly. Like I, for the moment it was announced, was pumped for it. I didn't watch any of the weekly pay per views because uh, I didn't really care. But the second they were on Fox Sports, man, I was all in on the Fox Sports show. I still have tapes in my parents' house of like the first two months of the Fox Sports show. I was all in on that when they went to Fox Sports. I was a Spike guy when they came on Spike or whether it was TNN at that time. I don't know what it was mm-hmm. at that time. But I watched sporadically on Fox Sports. I can't claim to be a regular viewer. And uh, I may have seen one or two of the weekly pay-per-views. That's it. So I, I can't claim to go back that far since it was sporadic. So you go back further than me then um, if you were watching regularly on Fox Sports. Yeah, I, I was like following the results of the weekly pay per views, but man, like twelve year old yeah. me is not dropping ten bucks a month on pay per view. Like, like that's probably not happening. Yeah, yeah, weekly. Yeah, that's 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 probably not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, no, no, that was kind of my entry point, and and I was going to go a little bit deeper into the fifteen, but uh, we had a lot of good content on the site. I will tell you that though, uh, we did a little TNA week, a mini TNA week. Uh, a lot of good stuff from people talking about their first impacts that they watched, or some stories about the great. I mean, Pac-Man, Adam Pacman Jones by Andrew Rich is just an incredible. The journey of Adam Pacman Jones and TNA is just just the best. It's just like the, the perfect tone deaf example for that company. It's it's great. And of course, Gary Kidney did a lot of great stuff as well. Talked about every uh, uh, all the X Cups and the international tournaments, and also Sanjay Dutt's uh, journey from um, to the X Division title, which he won you know last week. So that was really cool as well. And then of course we mentioned the uh, the Jeremy Borash interview at uh, on this very feed that you can see a, a podcast interview uh, Gary Kidney did with Jeremy Borash that you should absolutely check out. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, take a close it out from here now. So I'll let everybody know. Of course, go to voicewrestling.com for all the great content we do on their website. Also, voicewrestling.com slash forums. Their great discussion forums will be incredible to follow during uh, the G1 and all that stuff going on there. Uh, subscribe uh, via however you get your podcast, whether it be iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcatcher, whatever the hell you do to get your apps or your podcast. Definitely subscribe to us, uh, not only for the Voice Wrestling flagship, but the other great uh, podcasts on this network, many others. Uh, possibly debuting over the next few weeks as well. So keep an eye out for those, some fun little topics and fun little show ideas we got going on there. Uh, and yeah, of course, support our sponsors, Blue Apron and Dollar Shave Club. And for Joe Lanta, I'm Rich Grage, and we'll see you next time on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. 
Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.